follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you? Uh, doing good, Shad. Doing good. All right. Glad everybody is out there joining us for this episode. The first thing we're going to do is get our shout-outs taken care of. The first one is going to go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, collarandelbowbrand.com. Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast. That's the number four capital C in Corners, capital P in Podcast with no spaces to save 10% off your order. I got my beautiful Bobby Eaton commemorative shirt in. It is soft, it is comfy, and I don't want to wear it much because, well, it makes me a little bit sad to know that Bobby Eaton's gone, but it is a fantastic shirt. And our other shout out means that we hand the ball over to Matt. Yeah, that would be to Orlando Cologne. You know, I, I just bought a – well, I didn't buy a Fof Collar Nubbo, but I did buy a Orlando Cologne shirt. I think I mentioned that last time. Oh, but. really? It's awesome. <clears throat> yeah, he actually has a few shirts that are uh, pretty good on Pro Wrestling Tees. I know they're Ooh. not like a sponsor of ours, but I, I got that in right before they that website basically got destroyed <laughs> by CM Punk and, and other AEW signings. I feel oh, like, other AEW signings? I feel like they made um, – <clears throat> A certain shirt a little underwhelming so their site would survive the initial surge. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Other AEW signings. Matt, that sounds like a segue. Sounds like a segue. Um, <laughs> we are going to basically on this episode gush over AEW and their most recent pay-per-view all out. Some people are saying one of the best pay-per-views of all time. Um, it I- seems like it's one of the best in recent years. If, for North American pay-per-views, the only things off the top of my head that I would rate over it are Great American Bash 89 um, and WrestleMania 17 and maybe one other show I can think of. But it's – I would really have to think like in its placement, but it's top ten for me, probably top five. It's it's seriously that good. Now, here's the here's the fun part. As we had tradition from uh, the first few AEW shows that Matt got to be at for an event this size, we opted to go get us a guest who was <laughs> at All Out. He was. Let us welcome back the Dame. Damien Gonzalez. Wait, Damien, I need to play your intro music, okay? Okay. <laughs> 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 is that um that's such an inside joke oh is that great Kali's music 
we got no, it's, it's no, Mohammed Hassan. No. We got we got to explain this joke. Because yes. Not, not be it's because yeah, obviously I, I've known Danes for many years. He's a good friend. I followed him on Twitter. He followed us on Twitter, and somehow his original Twitter account, like a week or two ago, got hacked. And he's like, everyone block this guy. He's deleted. He like stole my account. And then nothing happened with the account. Except for like in the last few days, all of a sudden they just started post. It's just Arabic. It's like all this Arabic, and it's like what? What happened? It's probably know, like I reported it's it. probably Did like Taliban? yeah, Did it's Taliban take over. He's probably like it's probably like planning terrorists attack in like some small country no one's heard of. <laughs> so so here here's here's what happened. I lost access to my account overnight after it was last week's. And it was right after the shitty dynamite <laughs> last like a week and a half ago. And I went to bed, I woke up and I couldn't get into my Twitter account. And I'm like, what the hell? So I, I go and now it's not even listed as one of my accounts. You know, I got I got a couple burners and it's not in there, right? <laughs> so I'm like, all right, um, that's weird. So I, I go to look it up and you know, add my existing account, put in my password, and it says wrong password. I'm like, okay, that's weird. Let's try to recover the account. Now it's my email has completely changed. So now I send something to Twitter. I'm like, hey, these fuckers stole my account. And they're like, yeah, well, we can't tell that it's really you. So they can have it. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? Well, <laughs> they're like, you can create a new account. The thing is, the thing is, Dames, um, the thing you have to understand about Twitter is that literally at this point only exists for blue check marks to masturbate each other off. That's all it exists for I, now. I, I honestly, I honestly don't even tweet that much. I really don't. It's just that I, I, I follow a bunch of people, and you know, mm-hmm. having to refollow hundreds of people is just a pain in the ass. So I know. I, refollow me. You know? It's more that so. if if you expect them to give a crap, they only care about the blue check marks on their platform. Yeah. That's, so so here, so here's mm-hmm. here's what happened. I just want to explain this really quick. I was in Chicago waking up after the first night and I'm hungover and that's a whole other story. We'll get into that. But, uh, my, my buddy texts me, he goes, Hey, uh, um, I think jihadists have stolen your <laughs> and, I, and I look at it and everything's in Arabic. Everything's been changed. All of the posts that are being made are now in Arabic. And they, it's basically like a recruitment tool using Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp. And I'm like, what the fuck? But all of my old tweets are still there. So literally the last thing that is said by me is, what the fuck was that dynamite? <laughs> and then everything else is in Arabic. It's it's going to it's gonna swing from the, talking about that bad dynamite show to some guy getting his, his head sawed off. On, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that's not where I thought you were going. I thought you it's going to talk from talking about bad dynamite to now ineffective explosive dynamite. Uh. <laughs> That's where I thought you were going. Anyway, we are going into the 2021 All Out. Just an excellent show. And look, if you are not an AEW fan, you may want to just go get one of our old episodes if, because you're not going to be happy if with you're, it. If you're... <laughs> If you're if you're if you're salty and trying to criticize this pay per view like you're not a wrestling fan like I'm sorry you're just not. <clears throat> well yeah we should we should clarify because we have to I feel periodically it's like we all of us on the show can be very very critical of the WWE 
That's and, why we try not the, to talk about it, honestly, because yeah, we don't like and, just trashing them. Yeah, and critical of the booking and the way things are being run nowadays. And we'll, uh, we'll definitely get into some some crit- WWE criticism, especially with some of the some of the debuts that occurred with this show. There's an absolute. Like, I feel like as a company, they should be absolutely embarrassed by by one of the yeah. debuts. Yeah, I we're not we're not explicitly like anti WWE. We just love good wrestling, and that's not what the WWE has been for like a while. And uh, there's concerns if that if they're eventually ever going to turn the corner and get back to that. Uh, I mean, on a micro level, there's plenty of good wrestling in the WWE, but in terms of like booking, <laughs> a lot of other stuff, it's just it's not. But we're not trying to be that way. We just we love wrestling, and AEW right now seems to be. It seems to be the promotion that has like the most excitement and you're seeing the most like cool shit and you're seeing like really good matches and you're seeing good matches on a weekly basis. This pay-per-view is definitely no exception. There was, I, I, I don't know. I don't, we don't matches. Most of them seemed very, very good um, outside of the, uh, <laughs> the QT match, but I guess that served a purpose. You know yeah, what this reminded um, me of vibe-wise is, um, and it's a show we actually reviewed a long time ago on this podcast, is it reminded me a lot, vibe-wise, of Great American Bash 96. Hmm. It reminded because yeah. it feels like, it, AEW right now feels like this powder keg that just needs that one thing to go off, and it's just going to explode. It, it, I, I that, agree, and boy, do I got some things to say. <laughs> yeah, we we the reason the whole reason we brought Dames on is because he was there, and he has a really unique insight that he can offer to us. But yeah. I I do agree that generally it I don't know if there can in many respects I don't know if there can really be another boom period at least not in the way it was. I mean because the things have changed so much. Like back in the '80s, you kind of were just getting cable television and in the late 90s there was plenty of cable tv but now there's uh, there's literally like a dozen streaming services yeah. with everyone's attention being torn a dozen different ways so i don't know if you can really get that i mean i, I think i think obviously the days of wrestling getting like fives and sixes no, whatever, never. Games, like that's that never gonna happen again but there seems to be a ton of excitement with aew and a lot of eyes being put on them and it does seem like they are on like a precipice where it could they could explode and what does that mean like i don't beating, i don't know again beating know. raw and smackdown mm-hmm. in the ratings which honestly like beating raw like in total viewership they aren't that far off of anyway beating raw beating raw could be doable in the nearish future, SmackDown maybe not, just because SmackDown's on a yeah. network show. That's but way they, harder. But they're already it, beating WWE think, since they've started ticket sales again. They're already doing better at live I think beating, events. Beating the WWE in in terms of like demos is not just doable in the nearish future, like doable pretty soon, I would guess. But they've already done it in the last the last little bit since they've been unopposed. They do it some weeks. They're right but, up there with them some weeks. And like I said, and, the ticket sales, they're they're mm-hmm. beating them in ticket sales right now. In fairness to the WWE, it's not – it's more because the WWE is like losing – it's losing viewers. It's bleeding viewers. Well, no, but that's the point bleeding. though. You have this upstart promotion <laughs> that 
has grown a little bit and like has has solidified their fan base. But then mm-hmm. you have you have a company that has so alienated their fan base that AEW only has to do a little work to be right on their heels because WWE's fallen so far. Like they should like I know I know Vince and Triple H are arrogant idiots, but like they should realize like, oh crap, this company's not that far away from us in the ratings because we're doing so terribly. Like they're just just by existing there they're holding water with us. Like if, if impact was still on spike and doing like the numbers they typically did, they would be, they would be like not that far behind either with what they were doing for years. Now, now, now what does that exactly mean for AEW? Right. Here's the thing with, if they get close, if they get to surpass them, once it's time for a TV deal, you can point to say, hey, WWE is getting $200 million a year from NBC Universal and from, and from Fox. So we're beating them. You can afford to give us the same or, you know, slightly less because we're not <laughs> so proven. But that's a huge money influx that would basically allow them to start overbidding for talent as well and paying talent well and keeping their base and keeping mm-hmm. wrestlers happy and you know building that brand by millions of dollars because what saved their ass was their TV, was the TV deal right before the pandemic or else they would have went under uh, yeah. the, uh, key, uh, when it comes to keeping the wrestlers on the roster happy they seem to already be doing a pretty good job of that but oh, I think course, they 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 haven't really lost I think they lost a little bit of money year one but I think they they um they've mostly been in the black since they've existed i i think they because of the tv deal because they locked they had a deal and then because of their numbers they got i don't know if it's a more of an extension or just a, a, a more long-term better deal but they were already kind of in the black now i don't know with some of the more recent and i don't mean just like the last few weeks i mean like the last year mm-hmm. that some of their talent acquisition i don't know if they were back to being like in the red i know that they lost a lot they, of money they not lost a lot they a lot of their expenditure was brand stuff like the video games yeah. um other the, stuff and people were like well see they're losing money it's like no they're investing in their brand which they have is, to do yes it's the biggest costs. thing the biggest thing seems to be uh, the video game, which I don't know if it's like AEW money or his own personal money. The way the way I've heard it explained, or the way he's described it, is that it's like his money. But Tony Khan allegedly has sunk. Uh, I think it was eight figures. So do the math, like that's at least ten million. Yeah. Into the video game, which it's, I I mean I think that there's a definitely a market for a good video game, and that's another way like the WWE is kind of like shit the bed. I mean it's not entirely their fault, like the. No, because I, I don't think they developer. had anything to do. They didn't have anything to do with um, THQ booting. Um, was it Ukes that was doing their stuff? Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. It's it's kind of out of their control. Although I didn't. I it's not even coming out this year. I think the latest thing is that they're the, it's got delayed. No, because like they year, they booted the developer and then their their efforts were so terrible that I think they haven't come out with one since. That. Oh, the WWE game. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, the WWE oh game God. is the one that I think has been actually. It's it was supposed to come out in like a couple months, and I, I'm pretty sure I just heard that it was delayed to like next 
cheer, which is they they needed kind of to embarrassing though, because their their games were getting collectively just worse and worse, oh, and worse I, every year. Oh, the last one, the last one had so many glitches. It, people were just trashing it left and right. But it there, I think there's a market for it. Uh, but uh, AEW, I guess it it doesn't hurt that they're kind of building up their brand. But yeah, that's that's that was a cost that they've had to sink money into. But if it pays off, like that could be big dividends for them. When is... I'm, I'm very excited for their game because, you know, everything oh. is, is being mm-hmm. purposely uh, marketed towards a No Mercy style game. And they're, and they're trying to get that audience interested yep. in purchasing this game. You know, so, I... it's actually the management game that they've hyped that I'm the most excited about. Oh, the um, Elite GM? Yeah. Have you played yeah, the games? I, I downloaded it and I played it for 10 minutes. So not much. Um, can't speak to it. That's better than me. I downloaded it, but I haven't played it yet. It's because I feel like I want to sink time into it. If it's a game that allows that, yeah. Uh, yeah, what, is, it, it seems like it's supposed to be like a <laughs> EWR that you watch. <laughs> I really want it. I, I mean, I I will reemphasize. I kind of want EWR just for like a fucking phone game. Like just do a phone version of it. Like, I, I would know. literally. I pay money for I, it. I would, I, I, I spoke like, to Adam about that mm-hmm. years ago, and he mm-hmm. just doesn't doesn't have the time or desire to do that. He's yeah. a little, That's a shame. He's a little I, behind it, the curve on technology too. I love the guy though, but like in the, I keep telling myself like I'm gonna get into TW one year, but like the 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 amount of detail to that game is just crippling. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a I bit. Mean, EWR for me, even that is still a, a big. Uh, barrier of entry to really start a new game you know know, it takes so long to get going funny story about ewr one of my projects once was i signed like every bridge burner and like druggie and just (laughs) overall malcontent in wrestling and then i um i put dames as my commentator because he was the most negative (laughs) and so then and then i um so then I, I had, like, all these weird titles. Like, I obviously had a world title, but then I had, like, the eight ball of Coke title that Brutus Beefcake really liked. <laughs> you know, um, for, for those listening who are not aware of this game, uh, we're talking about EWR Extreme Extreme Warfare Revenge. It's a wrestling simulator that uh, a gentleman by the name of Adam Ryland developed in the early 2000s, and I helped to create 4.0 version 4.0 which was their last free version before he mer- merged onto uh tew which i think it's called uh, uh total extreme warfare is that is yeah. that right yeah yeah and uh and now that's a yearly uh series and it's still a wrestling simulator but ewr was the last free version he, i think that was in 2004 it's not yearly he does it maybe every three years but what's remarkable about the work he does for that is his fake universe is amazing. Yeah, um, you know, he could have obviously programmed it with wrestlers' names and all that, but you you can't do that because you're gonna get sued. So you had to make up a whole roster of fake people, and that's actually a lot harder than you think. Well, it, and he <laughs> um, has like oh, I absolutely believe it. There's history though, and every year, like every new edition that comes out, like the universe moves forward. Like one of the one of these small time promotions at some point in the, the this series got bought by like a billionaire and he's built it up to the point that it unseated like the WWF. 
style promotion and became the top promotion it has been like slowly soaking up and building its own stars over this like 15 years that he's he's done it but his his history goes back to the 70s and if you read guys bios like some of the guys have really like exhaustive like histories wow wow jeez uh, so yeah, uh, my my work on that game was uh, was basically to program my commentary in because um, you know around that time I was kind of popular on the, on the internet for for writing reviews and Adam asked me um, you know if if uh, if I wanted to be part of the game and and I said sure uh, but I wanted to program it myself because I had gone to school for computer programming and I, I basically said you know I will program it myself. Cause I basically wanted to control the star ratings and how hard it was to get a five star match. And so I did all the coding, submitted it to him and he added it to the game. It was one of the last things that was added. And, um, it's actually my, my personal proudest achievement as a computer programmer, because that's the only thing I ever did with it. I never fucking made a game on my own. I never went into that field. Everything I went to school for, that's that's the final result. So I'm I'm gonna pull a really old name out of my ass, but was the Scotsman one of the commentators for that game? Yes, oh, wow. he was. Scotsman, wow, that CRZ, is Scott Keith, and myself. Yeah, that's what I thought. Wow, I haven't thought of the Scotsman. I, does he even do it anymore? I have no idea. I haven't heard that name in a long, long time. I wonder if he's still alive. I know Scott Hyatt just recently passed, and he was a big name around. Scott that time. Hyatt and um, the original original owner of Four One One died. Yeah. Zonka. Yeah, Zonka. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, let's get let's get to the show. I got a lot yeah. to say. So One we, of the well, things um, that I want to start with this because we're all gonna we're all <laughs> at least. Uh, Brad, Matt, and I, because we haven't talked to Dames about this ahead of time, but uh, just as an overview, one of the things I wanted to say about this show that I liked was the fact that everything on here, every 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 slot in this show had a role, and it filled its role very well. So it led to this cohesive pacing and you had ups and downs and that sort of stuff that were spaced out correctly. That's that's just on the the meta level. That's not even getting into the individual stuff. Um, it, it it was a long show, but it didn't feel that long. No, because I feel like every match on this card was placed perfectly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. absolutely, starting was. with the starting with the opener. I mean, uh, obviously you got the buy-in, but I mean in terms of the actual main yeah. card. I thought well, starting that card with Miro and Eddie Kingston was brilliant. Let yeah, me I let me hit too. the uh, let me hit the buy-in real quick. The the thing that the buy-in did is you had it was the best friend, so it's Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, and Wheeler Yuta with Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus against the Hardy Family Office, so it's Matt Hardy, Private Party, and the Hybrid Two. You had a team of guys that the AEW fan base just generally kind of loves. And you had that team win and you had jungle boy catch the win. You're starting everybody off happy. And that it's not quite your opener, 
but it's something that that makes everybody happy and in a good mood going in. So that was a great idea. But you're talking about in the opener, Miro versus Eddie. I know I asked yes. this before, but the what the second most important match on the card is the opener because that's that's how you're starting a show, and this started it amazingly. This is the one I wanted to see too, though, because like some of the promos they were cutting on each other. These nuts were redeemed. Yeah. Well, this so, is a, hold on. Hold on. This match, I, it didn't seem to me that this match even had that much build. Like they had two, three, what, two, three weeks to build it up? Yeah. Yep, but I mean, that, that's what I was going to touch on. You that's don't really, need... I mean, to be honest with you, you that's you need like maybe one week and one promo from Eddie Kingston. Yeah, I was going to say. People are gonna be, Pretty Eddie much. Kingston is so fucking good as a promo. I, he's just absolutely on like another level. No, I was he saying... could literally talk anyone into the building for whatever match he wants to have. And uh, I'm really happy. This is kind of like taking away from the pay-per-view, but they just announced, I guess at the all-out, it was a, kind of like an all-out weekend. They just announced that he's getting his own figure uh, in the one of the upcoming waves of AEW it figures. Better be and it's fat. like, it's, it's, I, I, he needs a little punch on him. Yeah. <laughs> that figure needs a little punch. It's amazing that like Eddie Kingston in the year of our Lord 2021 is going to have an action figure coming out. The dude has like a the whole redeem redeem these nuts T-shirt <laughs> is like one of the high sellers on all of pro wrestling tees. It's like I think right under like CM it Punk. It makes it makes me laugh. I know it's 12 years old, but that just it makes me <clears throat> laugh every time. I you know, just I wanted to so say happy. I was um I was I was thinking about it and I posted it in the Discord and I thought more about it. I think Eddie Kingston on a theoretical level might be the perfect professional wrestler. He's someone that I know Brad, you and I have watched a lot uh, on like the indie scene and in Shakara and other places. So we were familiar with him. I don't know if other people are as familiar with him. Uh, he's a dude who had his own like demons and struggles that he has overcome. And I, I'm just when I say that I'm happy as he has a successful shirt, I'm happy he has an action figure coming out. It's like that dude's life has gone like a 180 in the yeah. in the best possible direction. And <laughs> I'm so happy that he's he's getting to do what he loves. He's so damn good at it, and he's finally getting like rewarded for it. It just makes yeah. me really genuinely happy. It's there's <clears throat> a lot of guys in the wrestling business that, or at least there's there's I I shouldn't say a lot. There's actually probably few and vanishingly few people that people can really get like emotionally behind and have that emotional <laughs> connection to and i think like for me like eddie is definitely one of them i think he's so he's good. so talented and he has so much charisma and he's so fun to watch even he'll face regardless he's so fun so i'm happy that he's um, he's had I wanna, a really good measure of success i want to tack on to what brad was saying about eddie being a I'm not going to say the, but a perfect template for wrestlers. Eddie also has an in-ring style that it promotes a lot of longevity. Like, he's not doing stuff. He's not doing moves that are... He's not Jeff Hardying himself. He's not doing moves that that's going to kill him to do. It, it's it's a very solid yet compelling style. I, um, and they, and that's, that's secondary to him being able to off-the-cuff cut a promo... That and like I didn't know Kingston before he showed up on NWA. I'm I'm a Kingston Mark now, but he cuts a promo on like one week's notice. Says, "Take my hand, we'll walk through hell together." It's just like, mm -hmm. 
I don't know how. So, but, so, uh, so I, I, I met him this weekend. Oh, yeah. I met him. I met <laughs> him in a Chikara. I met him at a Chikara show once because he, I bought a autographed eight by ten of him at a Chikara show. Um, yeah, so uh, I went to the uh, AEW Fan Fest the Friday that I landed, and uh, I don't normally meet and greet people because it feels weird to me a little bit, and I certainly don't pay to meet them. But the AEW Fan Fest was uh, we're all we're all gushing about the pay per view, so and I'm a big AEW fan, so please understand that I don't mean to bash them. That fan fest is fucking lame. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, it's literally just like a big room, right? Mm-hmm. And um, if you're, it's it, if you guys have been to Access, they have all the props surrounding everything, but they've got fifty years worth of props. AW's mm-hmm. got two years worth of props, so. You go through the props, it's like five minutes of looking through the props. And then now you got nothing else to do except meet and greets and the stage shows. Yeah. And the exclusive merchandise was like three shirts that were not not cool. So they'll get that. Um, yeah, I know. But so I was like, I want to fucking maximize my fucking money here because I paid forty dollars for this. <laughs> so yeah. I, I I will uh I will meet whoever is free, <laughs> right? <laughs> So I yep. met Abaddon. I met. Uh, Did she try to eat I your met... brains? Well, she's behind a glass, so she's like licking the glass. Oh, <laughs> nice. I have to say, I want to say because her makeup for the paper is fantastic, but man, is she terrifying! Like, if she does her own makeup, she's brilliant, and if someone else does it, like, she should have like a job in Hollywood. Her. Yeah, her... you know, and I, and I showed Mixon. I don't know if you guys have ever seen her. In, without makeup but she's actually a pretty good looker if you take all that shit off I, i've so. never i've never seen that but her she has found a way to make her makeup unsettling in like a still image not even taking the mannerisms into it just yeah. like sitting in a chair that would be unsettling makeup it's was amazing she, was she completely in character did she yes yeah okay so did she even like speak at all she never it... spoke once um mm-hmm. And and she was uh, waving creepily at little kids, and it was fucking hilarious. Um, yeah, have you ever heard so, Kamala talk about when he was in Mid South? He used to say they used to bring him in a van, and he that kimchi would he'd make kimchi like coax him off, and he'd get like some blood and like some chicken feathers and act like he was eating a chicken. And he said he used to love doing that shit to people like. Like if you ever listen to Kamala interviews when he was alive, like he really loved like the theatrics and the pageantry of it all. Yeah, that's funny. Um, so, uh, so, so, I basically was done with meeting everybody and doing everything by like an hour in, right? Okay. So, and then, but the thing is, they they they're gonna shift out. So it was like uh, Diamante and Abaddon and they come Roto and. Aaron Solo were from like 10 to 12 and then from 1230 to two with somebody else. Right. So the second shift was going to be private party for free and a couple of other people. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll be private party for free. I feel like they kind of should have not have been free. I could, ex- I was surprised that they were free and they ended up having the longest line. So, um, at some point I'm like, you know what? I really want to meet Eddie Kingston. How do I, how do I do this? And they're like, Oh, you got to buy it 
a, a, a ticket specifically to meet him online, whatever, whatever. So I, I did pay to meet him. And I, I talked, we, we talked for a couple minutes, um, you know, mostly talking about the Bronx and stuff. And I, I told him, I said, hey, good luck tonight. He's like, I don't need luck. I'm going to fucking kick his ass. It was, it was great. <laughs> it was great. And, um, you know, he, he's very personal. He, he was wearing the exact same outfit that he was wearing on Rampage. So it's like he, he went from there to Rampage. Never changed. And, I uh, swear, uh, he's just so much fun to watch. Yeah, and ev- every time he speaks, you can't just help but feel he is 100% authentic. His, um, I, just, I love everything about him. His facials during this match were just like, oh, this dude's just a nut. Yeah. By the way, just because I, I, I heard all the rumors that there were going to be lots of debuts, I thought... The finish of the match was going to be Lana was going to make her debut and cost Eddie the match, and then they would rematch no, in New was, York, which I, was, I still think. She was waiting to redeem Miro's nuts when he got home, if Twitter <laughs> is to be um, believed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know what? I just up, so I thought I thought she was coming in. I I want to because we're, we're we're because we're talking about how much Kingston is like. I, I just want to say Miro is a treasure, and I can't believe WWE <laughs> never got more out of him. Well, you know what I was gonna say was the best thing about this feud is that all you really needed to do to make people interested was have Miro cut the promo saying Eddie Kingston, we need to talk. That's all I needed, and shut up and take my money. And next thing you know, they're building it up in two weeks, and because both guys are over, it works. Mm-hmm. You don't need a long build. You have one brawl, two promos, and the match. And I was hyped for it. They um, they, they seem like they didn't know what they wanted to do with Miro at the very beginning with the whole like best best man shit yeah. with uh with Kip Sabian. But as soon as they broke them up and they gave they just let Miro be just a monster and and now the shift into the whole Redeemer character, he's been on fire and he's fantastic. And it's you we you love Eddie so much like you want to see him win, but I didn't want to see him win just because I think Miro needs another few months of just being a monster and I, then exactly I even think Miro's in ring work has never been better than it's been like the he's, last couple months. His I would actually, is incredible. Yeah. Oh my I would actually God. say he's improved. It's 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 and he's been in the business a, a while, so it's kind of amazing. But he's a guy that I don't I don't know exactly what they're gonna do with the title picture. I imagine down the road you'll see Paige win. I think that's the logical choice, I, but I have Miro to call is... out, I have to call out a part of the promo that, that really because Kingston stuff was so great, but it's really an all time great promo line, which is the, the only person I laid down for is my wife in the hotel room after I yeah. win. <laughs> He's made a lot of comments like that. He's yeah, also that's been, why, you know, I thought it, she was coming in because he it's, keeps mentioning her. You it's know? almost it it almost touches the greatest UFC line, which is Brock Lesnar. Like I might climb on top of my wife when yeah, I get I might home. go home and get on top of my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I remember another, watching that live. That was another, UFC 100, yeah, yeah, yeah that, classic. It was. Um, another good thing about his whole Redeemer character is he's been cutting these really interesting uh, quasi-religious 
promos where he's like, I'm God's favorite champion. And he's, he cut a promo, uh, cause I have a friend, Justin was, would send me links to stuff. He's cutting, he got a promo against, uh, fucking Brian Pillman Jr. It's like, no one expects Brian Pillman Jr. to win, but he cut a promo on the guy when he's like outside. And like, all of a sudden, like this thunder goes in the background. He's like making allusions to God. And it's just like, it was a fucking good promo. And all of a sudden I'm interested in watching him against Brian Pillman Jr., a guy who I know is, has no chance of winning. But now I'm interested because Miro weaved this little story about how, like, I'm God's favorite champion. I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to rip you apart for God. <laughs> it's he like that promo standing in front of his <laughs> open garage door when there was yeah, a storm rolling. and in. it worked. It was like, oh, genius. I'm now interested. And you know what, and then, what, what I loved about this match, though? Was um, I liked how they did a finish that was a screw job on the baby face, but they didn't put the heat on the baby face for being a dumbass. The ref screwed him by doing his job. Yes, yes. And that way, now Eddie has a legitimate beef to bring this back because he can he can say very clearly, you know, I had this one and it it, it wasn't me that that let that get away. Miro didn't beat me. Miro and the ref yeah. did. And they had this this rock solid. OK, like we, we mentioned this only had two weeks build, basically one promo out of each and we're all on board. But now they've got this rock solid build to go with. Yeah. And I if it was anybody else, I'd be like, I don't, I don't know if they can hold that to the next pay-per-view. But with these guys, I'm sure they can. Yeah. And, and I, not wear out their welcome. I, I wanted to I, mention I, this real quick because I'm going to forget if I don't say it now. What I really loved about this show is it was, it was, I cannot begin to describe how refreshing it was to not have a smarky crowd. Oh, yeah. There was no, like, you know, bullshit chanting. They were cheering. They, If they were chanting, it was because they were rooting their person on. Like, I, I thought, the only thing that this needed, and I thought I might have heard it for a brief second, is all it needed was a fuck em up, Eddie, fuck em up. Yeah. All this needed. You know, what's funny is that I have, I, I've been to many shows that you would consider smarky. And it's virtually the same crowd. They just didn't do it for this show because we got everything we wanted. You're so into it that they didn't be wise asses about it. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. Um, yeah, and, and before we continue on onto the next match, the uh, the Kingston thing, I actually I don't think they should go to the next pay per view, uh, or at least not their next stop. I think they got a rematch in Arthur Ashe, and Kingston has to win in New York. Hmm. That would be a monstrous reaction for him. It would. Yeah. It would. You could even you could do that in and not to short Eddie, but you could have that and then you could have Miro win it back yeah, relatively yeah. soon afterwards. And that's fine because you that the moment <laughs> for Kingston, you can never take it away. And yeah. I think I think Eddie's I think Honestly, That's within the AEW atmosphere that they do protect their titles, they don't. Yeah, you have to hot cool. shot even a protected title sometime, though. But I think you can get away with that. Uh, yeah, and and once and once Miro wins it back, that's it. They're completely done. And I think, series, I think do Eddie, Eddie is virtually bulletproof as far as taking losses. I think within AEW. Yeah. He can cut a promo and be right back in. 
Yeah. And so, I think everyone knows deep down he has a ceiling, like he's never going to be the world champion. And I think people are fine with him being like an upper mid card guy that's involved that loses like most of the big ones. Like, I think people could live with that when it's when it's what people expect his ceiling to be, which is probably higher than than um, people would have thought a couple years ago, which makes them happy enough. Well, the thing Honestly, is, I think I think it works better if you give him that two week title reign. Because then you give him credibility, and then you can beat him forever. Yeah. And he can get the FTR belt down the FTW belt down. No, no, no. That belt has no meaning. (laughs) Eddie would find a way to give it meaning. Um, I I just have utter faith that he could. And I'm someone who would love to see him actually, ever how brief it might be, have a top title run just because the guy's got – he's just so good at bringing him in. But anyway, that's the <laughs> we we are going to kick on to the next one, which is um, John Moxley versus Satoshi Kojima. This was kind of just a stiff um, veteran New Japan hey. style match. Yeah. Hey, Brad. Yeah. Uh, I, full disclosure, I have not yet watched this pay-per-view. Um, I have it ordered. I just haven't had the time. So people were – you would know this maybe better than others, but you've seen a lot of All Japan. People were describing that that Miro-Eddie match is like very All Japan-like. Is that accurate? Mm, yeah, I'd say so. Hmm. That's not a bad thing in my opinion. Well, I mean there are at some points <laughs> where Kingston yells at the top of his fucking lungs for everybody to hear, Kobashi! And then starts chopping the shit up. <laughs> yeah. So – so that's one, <laughs> and there's a couple of other things that he uh, he does that are very all Japanish, and I'll, I'll just leave it at that. As as that match was happening, I sent uh, again our friend Justin. I sent him uh, <laughs> a picture from I guess the recent New Day podcast where <laughs> Biggie's like, "Big be the man, slap me." Like that's yeah. what I want. That's I just what, that's what we got. Picture. Yeah. So I thought this uh, was actually pretty good. I know this was this was Shad's first exposure to Kojima, and I warned him. I said, Kojima's very good, but just remember he's old, which it didn't really play into this. Um, I thought they worked a smart match for a guy that probably has some deteriorated skills, and it played to Moxley's things well. What, what I really liked here, though, is um, they played the veteran aspect of Kojima up really where really well where he was just a fucking pain in the ass about everything like he was going for the paradigm shift and kojima would just wiggle his way out over and over again until he just kind of caught him with it so i enjoyed that aspect of it the the thing that i i really enjoyed about this was that and by the way the commentary for the for this night that was on point uh dames i don't know if you've gotten to see the broadcast but the guys the guys in the booth were so on point about bringing the crowd along if there was if for some reason there's something you missed they brought the crowd along or the audience along amazingly first of all by being invested and then second by filling in any gaps that you might look at and go might be confused by and they're talking about in this match Kojima and Moxley having each other scouted and being um, it being a 
because you know they kept countering each other and and that sort of stuff. It's like, oh no, they're they've they've scattered each other. They know what's coming. They know what they're going for. And then the um, the finish. I just I loved the finish. Dude. They didn't even say it, but he Brad said, you know, he catches Kojima with the paradigm shift. Then he picked him up and did another one because he has so much respect for Kojima that he can't take any chances. Do you know how he busted his elbows? Because he was bleeding pretty good out of both of his elbows, I think, wasn't he? I think he hit he, he either hit the post or the rail with it. And they even uh, sold I that. It was just that one, but they even like that was just a little I think botch or something that busted him. And they were even talking about his staff infection on commentary. Yeah. They were doing such a great. They tied everything in. It yeah. was wow. Did such a good job. And now, yeah, I, I definitely want to go back and watch the broadcast. Now there was an all-time great JR line. So <laughs> after the match, Minoru Suzuki comes out, and is his music play is playing JR's like, if this is who I think it is, I'm getting the hell out of here. <laughs> That's not the line I thought you were gonna say. Oh, with him talking about eating breakfast with him and being yeah, afraid to chew. He said Suzuki's out there. He says this is one of the most dangerous men in the world. I had breakfast with him once in Tokyo, and I was afraid to chew the whole time. <laughs> but what was great about their face off and then them <laughs> fighting is like, like they're both just like laughing like a couple of maniacs as they just beat each other. Yeah, that was it was fun to watch. Just, so so here's the thing. I, I was I was not expecting them to brawl. I was just expecting them to go face to face. So when they started fighting, I was like, oh, my God, what's is this actually happening? Mm-hmm. This is nuts. It was nuts. No, I legitimately I don't pop in the house much for pay-per-views. And I legitimately <clears throat> like yelled yes the second like his name hit the screen. Oh, as soon as I saw that it said the king. I was like, oh, my God, are you serious? <laughs> and I, I went nuts. Uh, yeah. What was the reaction live from people? Because they, they uh, sang his song like they sang. Yeah, the they part sang of his the song. song. They people knew who he was and they were excited. I mean, as you would be like, I'd be excited to see Minoru Suzuki. But what was the reaction live? Because allegedly people were like going crazy for it. They were going crazy for it. I mean. There are, there were, of of course, you're gonna have. Um, there were a lot of people there that were there for CM Punk that were mm-hmm. clearly just WWE fans. Um, not not a lot, but I'd say you know a good twenty percent, twenty five percent maybe seemed to be like newer, or just there to see Punk and uh, mm-hmm. and you know they obviously didn't react or they were like who's this guy, but everybody else was just going bananas, man. <laughs> I was going nuts, like that. So, so this is building hit like these these new Japan guys coming over. This is building to like probably what Tanahashi versus Moxley on a pay per view. <laughs> That's uh, uh, originally that was supposed to be the the plan for this show, but for some reason Tanahashi couldn't uh, they couldn't make the match. I think that um, Mox has referenced Tanahashi not showing up, and then said, you know, fine, I'll go through, you know, whoever it is. So. I figure they're building to it. Didn't uh, didn't Tanahashi have like COVID at some point earlier this year? He did, but he's the, he's the U.S. champ now because he just beat Ibushi over the weekend. Wow. So I know well, he's active, but but Japan's um Japan mm-hmm. has doesn't have like a super high vaccination rate, and I know they've been having some issues with it. 
Because didn't um they don't want to do it. Wasn't there a kerfluffle around spring when Osprey left that like a bunch of Gaijin got COVID because they asked them to stay? Something like that, I think. I don't remember the the specifics, but it was something like that. Yeah, I think so. Okay, yeah. So after um, the Mox uh, Suzuki showdown, we went into Britt Baker versus Chris Statlander. So this is when I knew we were we were seeing something special because I didn't expect much from this. I kind of was just like, eh, whatever. This is going to be okay-ish. Nothing memorable. And they busted out a really good match, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, Britt Baker's a star, man. I mean, she came out, and the place was was electric for her. And I, I'm a big fan of Chris Statlander. Um, and she's Statlander's uh, strong. Like, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Uh, by the way, during the uh, heat and greet, uh, as I was just walking around, Nyla Rose walked right by me, and she is just a normal person in real life. It's crazy. Like, to, like if I saw Nia Jax, mm-hmm. I would expect her to be enormous. Mm-hmm. And I kind of expected Nyla Rose to be the same. And mm-hmm. no, she's just a normal person. She frustrates me because if you see her in interviews and stuff, she has a lot of personality. And mm-hmm. she kind of Brad Armstrong's it where a lot of that personality doesn't seem to go to the ring. And I don't understand. They, they That's probably because she's pretty much perennially a heel. But if I when you say normal, I don't maybe you're talking about like size, but do you mean also like personality? Because uh, in if you I follow her on on social media and she has a ton of personality on social media and she's funny, she's really witty, she comes off like really well. It's like they could actually parlay this into making her like a pretty good baby face if they wanted to. Maybe they probably will down the road, but. Um, I think she was be... a safe bet for her with as green as she was um, out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but what, what I meant was is, is, is size. Like, I expected yeah. her to be, you know, bigger. The, the way she's portrayed, just a, a big hulking figure, and she's mm-hmm. not. She's just a she's slightly not a, bigger woman. She's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she's not like. She's just big. She's not like fat like Nia Jax is, though. <laughs> she's not Nia Jax big, no. She's no. yeah. But she, again, I would. She would be someone I would be interested to meet because one, she's from like the DC area, so that would be pretty cool to meet her. And secondly, like she does come off like really, really like charismatic and funny on her social media stuff. So again, I feel like down the road, if they want to turn her face. If they give her just some time to kind of show that personality, she'd really come off well. It'd I think really, she'd work out pretty well. I, my only problem with that is I like her with mm-hmm. Vicky Guerrero. Oh, yeah. They shouldn't do it. They shouldn't do it soon. <laughs> yeah. I think down the road, if they wanted to, they could. Like, that was a good pairing to kind of help cover some mm-hmm. of her flaws as a heel. But she's, It's funny because she's still she's – still, she's gotten a lot better. She's yeah. gotten tremendously better in the last – two years since they started but she is still relatively green and she's yeah and i think i think personality like Mm -hmm. is the hardest thing to get and i think Mm -hmm. vicky helps kind of cover her cardboardiness at times Mm -hmm. 
projecting personality is is tough to do because um, there are some people who are are great small group one on one types, but they can't project that personality out to a whole group of people. I'm not sure what exactly what to call the dynamic, but it just you know it, it wouldn't get it doesn't really work beyond you know maybe 10 folks at a time. Some folks have a really hard time learning how to spread it further out. And I mean, so... truth be told, and it's kind of amazing, but Britt Baker didn't figure it out until her heel turn. Like, as a wrestler, mm-hmm. career-wise, she didn't figure it out. And then, like, like whoa, did she, like, just go... I'm, I think... Okay, uh, Britt, I think, did something similar to what I did in that you know, a lot of people say the be- your best gimmicks are the ones that you have that yourself turned up to 11. I had more success creating another character and then picking that character up and running with it than I did trying to turn myself up. Uh, and and Britt Baker may be doing something similar to that. Uh, just being like, okay, I, I've got I've, I've got how this works. And now I can crank it all the way up and make it just utterly hateful. Yeah. Plus, honestly, being a heel is easier. Now, I so. want to say, too, though, Chris Statlander, like, there is something there. Like, I think she needs to work on her gimmick a bit. They've actually downplayed the space alien part, which I think's helped her. But she has, um, there's an it factor to Statlander. Yeah, she's got a lot of, she seems to be another one who has a lot of charisma. Because you just um, pay so attention that... when she does stuff. Yeah. She has the physical charisma going on. Yes. She needs to tie the rest of it in. Yeah. But they, they and she did a good job in this match. There were a couple there was like a rope miscue mm-hmm. and she saved it just because she's so strong, like they messed something up and she just like powered like Brit into something to like cover for it. Like, oh yeah, superplex was, spot. That was a scary yeah. spot where she almost yeah. lost her on the superplex. That was crazy. And I love the end run, though. The, and it really put Statlander over in a loss where Britt just had to absolutely murder her to get the win. Yeah. Like, and some people might not like that because they're like, ooh, it's, it's you know, too many spots. Like, no, it's perfect because, like, she she literally had to destroy yeah, her. To, yeah. I, I, thought it was, I thought it was perfect. Yeah. A quick question because Dames a minute ago said, Somebody said it, that Britt Baker's a star. Like, I haven't seen her since – I haven't seen her live since the heel turn, but that does seem to be, like, when everything clicked. Like, how over is she? Because she seems like – Oh, my God. Like, you like not... she is a star, like, the most – the most, at least the most over woman on the roster. She's she's probably top three most over persons. Wow. <laughs> before, before uh, you know, Sunday. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know – No, she the, – The biggest pop – before CM Punk was her in Pittsburgh, but she was no. in the homecoming. Yeah, like, I stuff. think she does really well in the ratings too. Yeah, I think um, I think Meltzer said that that people that that increase ratings when they come on include Britt Baker and Jungle Boy, which I, I, I absolutely get. But like I, I said, think Jungle Boy is great. <laughs> he, but um. What I, this is when I knew the pay-per-view was going somewhere good, though, because a match you didn't expect to good ended up being really good. And um, so what was next? Oh, are we at oh the cage my match? God. Yes. Yes. 
Okay, so I want to say the spot where I think he did like an arm drag where Ray Phoenix did that thing and he kicked himself off the cage side was one yes. of the sickest things I've ever seen a human being do. Oh, I, I, I was going nuts for that match. Oh my God. Um, there, there were a couple spots there where I was just <laughs> praying that nobody was going to fall down or die. Yeah. And Oh man. Now, this is one thing I have to ask you, James, because on TV, like, they did this really clever spot where it looked like they were going to win after the shoe with the thumbtacks, and it was literally, like, 2.9 on the count, and Phoenix just, like, comes alive and makes the save, and you could feel the crowd kind of going, oh, and, like, dying a little bit, and then they just kind of, like, came roaring back to life when they realized the the Lucha Bros were still in it. Yeah, it was that was that was great, like... It's almost like that match had like a third and fourth wind. But mm. um, so here's something that I I I will never forget this because this is just uh, something I saw from my vantage point. When they aired this on the broadcast, did you did they show Brandon Cutler physically throwing that bag into the cage? Yes, yes. they did. They, they, yes. they did. They pulled a Man. wide angle shot back. And showed the entire arc. Okay. Because that to me was is like the unsung moment of that match. Because if he fucks that up, <laughs> if he hits the cage and it falls down, or he has to try again, or they fall out of the bag, or he doesn't get it perfectly, people start to boo, people will say that's a botch, and this match gets uh not nearly the amount of love that it gets. Can you imagine the amount of pressure it takes to know you have to make this? That's a tall ass cage yeah. to make this throw. You and, got one shot to make it live. And, <laughs> and what, crazy! And for people to think the Bucks are just spot monkeys, you need to watch this match because, for one, they made a crowd that probably didn't want to boo them boo them, and they also, as heels, made the Lucha Bros look like Greek gods in there. Well, here's the thing. This is, you know, we all know that the Young Bucks basically started this company, and this company is, is a, essentially a babyface company. We all love AEW. And so you think theoretically we would love the Young Bucks, but they have done such a good job of turning themselves heel that the crowd legitimately were booing them. Yeah. The entire time. Yeah. But yeah. What, where this match I thought really excelled, though, is is like you could just feel it like, once they like got past that thing, you could just tell like, oh my god, the Lucha Bros are gonna win, and they just kept like making you want to see them win. And instead of what WWE would have done, where they get you ready and like ready to see that tag title um, win, then they would just have the heels like win clean, and then you just be like, oh, well, I'm dumb for getting my hopes up. Yeah, I mean, they also gave him that spectacular entrance, which I'm not sure, oh. once again, how that came across. On oh, TV, that came off. Wow, that was awesome. It, in, uh, on TV, it was it was awesome. It was an amazing entrance. Like, seriously, I'm sitting there watching that going, this is so good. And then in, my, in the back of my mind, I have that voice saying, is the WWE curse in effect? Because if someone gets the live entrance music on WWE show who wasn't like Rey Mysterio with that one mania yeah. they lose. And so that there's that doubt just sitting in the back of my head the entire time. Yeah. But uh, my favorite spot in this match, my, my one 
favorite spot this entire match wasn't even one of the high spots. It was um, Phoenix is just barely up on his knees, and Jackson's got the the thumbtack shoe on. He's winding up for the super kick, and Penta dives in the way of the super kick to protect him. And I was just like, oh, yes! Like that that one moment, like I was into it before, but then all of a sudden that one moment, I am hooked in a way that I didn't realize I could have been hooked into that match. I liked where um, they were on the apron. I think it was Pentagon and Nick had the other guy's partner and they're getting ready to powerbomb him and they're just shit talking each other on like across the apron from each other. Is it getting ready to like just destroy each other's partner? Yeah, it was the older brother's getting ready to uh to wreck the younger brothers um and then, yeah they're just looking at each other like hey you ain't gonna do it it's like i'm gonna do it you ain't gonna do it i'm gonna do it you ain't gonna do it. and and what i also thought like because i've seen them wrestle like a million times but where i thought it was great was you really got a sense of these teams have fought each other a lot over the years and they really hate each other mm-hmm yeah, I mean, the reaction at the end of that match is just... <clears throat> everybody knew that we had seen something special. And Phoenix was that, the MVP, I thought. Yeah, I mean, the the, the high spot, obviously, him jumping off the cage. Mm-hmm. All, he, all he did was a high cross. Yeah. It's enough. It's enough. You don't have to, you don't have to kill yourself. You don't have to do that. Yeah. You, know, you have to do a moonsault and all that. So. I thought where he was really great, though, is like when he was going like beast mode and he was just giving it to both of them... While Pentagon was kind of out, like you could just feel the crowd was like so into like everything, like he was doing. Mm-hmm. I feel like you could say that Phoenix is the MVP for most Lucha Brothers matches, um, and I say that as someone who actually loves Pentagon Junior. Pentagon Junior, I just like because he's so much personality. He he's someone who I mean he was the Impact World Champion. He's a guy that you could literally actually move into like a, a singles upper card role if you wanted to like he's he's tremendously charismatic uh and i think i've actually i've heard him talk and his english is actually pretty good i don't know if he's that fluent conversationally but i do like that they paired him with uh with alex abrahantes i think that that actually adds a lot of yeah a lot of flavor to it um i'm really happy that they won uh they were legitimately crying when they won the titles (laughs) They're there's they really when they signed, I thought it was such a big deal that I'm glad that they got it. Like I felt like they were they were owed the title at some point. Uh my my kind of like personal emotional team that I would really like to see win is Proud and the Powerful. I think Santana and Ortiz are two guys that they, they definitely deserve a run with the de- the belts. Um so I'd love to see them get it down the road. But I'm really happy that the Lucha Brothers had their day like that. And many people are saying like this is one of the best tag matches they've like they've ever seen. It certainly is one of the best in in the last like several years. So I just like that they put all this pageantry and work into a tag title match instead mm-hmm. of it just being an afterthought like undercard thing. Yeah, I mean, I I personally have been on such of a high since the show that I've I've been doing nothing but reading. Twitter and you know, reading or listening to podcasts and stuff about it. And the thing that I find most fascinating are the opinions of new fans or people that are 
watching for the first time. Um, and, you know, without a doubt, mo- almost everybody felt that this match was the blowaway match of the show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for, for somebody who hasn't ever watched AEW to come across and to say, I have now just seen the greatest tag match and the greatest cage <laughs> match I've ever seen. That is what you need to keep people watching. Obviously, the debuts are great, but if you don't bring it in the ring, it's not going to work. Yeah. So that shows you these guys that, you know, for the new fans, they're not familiar with these guys, and they just put on a classic. Holy shit, I got to watch this. I do yeah. have one complaint about this show as, as an overall experience, is the way they pace things and, like, just go to the next match. It was really hard finding places to pee. <laughs> <laughs> you got to save all that for the QT match. You just got to... Yeah. Yeah. It's like well, I, I mean, I'm not. I mean, it's like I'm not an animal. I'm not gonna piss in a bottle. Like you guys got to give me something. You know that that's actually why I felt the pacing of putting the battle royal right after this match was perfect. It because was. you know, you know that you're gonna have X amount of time as as not necessarily downtime, but where you know you don't know who's coming out, so you have some interest there. But if you need to go to the bathroom, you can go to the bathroom right now. As yeah. long as you're back before the Joker. You know? Yeah. You, yeah. You knew, you knew full well that until the Joker showed up, you weren't getting to the end. And yeah, you might miss something kind of cool, but that's not make or break. Uh, otherwise, you're trying to pull it off during like 30 second video packages, and yeah, good luck with that. Um, yeah. But with, with that being said, I still found the actual Battle Royal to be entertaining. It was better than I expected. I, I do hope they they sign and give Kira Hogan a push because she is um she is an absolute gem of a worker. I would actually bring her and Tasha Steeles in once their impact oh, deals are up Tasha because because they are such they are such eminent douchebags on <laughs> impact programming. Like they would be great in AEW. Yeah, um, like there, there was is... there was a match with um it was last year in Impact and it was um they found some money and they were refing between Fala Ba and um, Hercules Hernandez and they were just favoring him all this point and I had to Google because Fala Ba told him to stop being ratchet and I had to look up what that meant because you know <laughs> I don't know what that means I'm like oh he's telling them to stop being ghetto okay got it good. Which is, so, um, he's actually someone we've talked about briefly on here. Follow Boss, someone I absolutely love too, just as a comedy guy. So yeah. one uh, thing, if I'm going to have a criticism on the, the Battle Royal is, I think it's a fair criticism that the Casino Battle Royals, the way that they come out, like you can't have a surprise unless it's the Joker because the way that they're introduced means they step on each other. You could yeah. do a the casino battle royal if you were to like let's let's say you had everybody who had their card then you shuffle the cards and you're dealing off the top you could get a similar kind of thing it's i mean yeah it's it's kind of royal rumbleish that way with with different numbers on it and then but the joker's already the number 30 spot um <laughs> It's just, it's like, oh, you know, in, in what, two minutes you have four people come out. And I'm like, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not as up on the AEW women's roster as I might be. So I'm like, I'm not sure who this is until they put like the little graphic up that had the four names. They've done a really good job of turning that from just an absolutely terrible division into 
I would say passable starting to border into good. Um, just just so you know, um, I, I was at uh, Rampage on Friday, and mm. they did a whole set of dark tapings. And at the dark taping, they had a match between Red Velvet and this local girl named Sky Blue, who oh, I yes. never heard mm. of before. Yeah. Have you guys watched the match already? No, I we saw her and she was in the she was in the the battle royal. Yeah, the battle royal. Right. Well, well, here's the thing. In this match, because she's over with the local crowd, they booed the shit out of Red Velvet and she ran with it and they put over Sky Blue big time with the crowd. They were cheering her. She was like getting I'm not even kidding. She had maybe top 4 or top 5 pops of the night. And that's why at the end of the match, Tony Khan came out and said, hey, do you want to be in the Battle Royal? And apparently that was a shoot. I, I love that AEW is willing to put people over in their hometowns. Mm. Yeah. Because I, I know the concept is, oh, you'll get great heat if you do that to someone in their hometown. But what you're going to do is you're going to piss those people off and they're not going to want to come back. So but if you put the if you put the hometown person over then that means that the folks are excited to see that. They're not punished for wanting to see that. And when you come back around, they're going to come see it again. Here's here's a booking tool that they've never fucking used. If you put somebody over in their hometown multiple times and they become a local draw, then you can beat them. And the person that beats them is now their hated rival in that town. And you yeah. can play that yeah. feud over. But you got to build that up. Yeah. And... and Vince seems to Vince McMahon seems to think that putting someone over in their hometown is a cardinal sin. Yeah. As far as I can tell. Yeah. But but I want to say like they have done a good job of investing like Anna J, Jamie Hader, um, Diamante, uh, Thunder Rosa. Those have all like really upped the game of their women's division. Chris Statlander. Yeah. Yes. I really Anna love. Jay escaped my clutches this weekend. <laughs> I really uh, love the um, them actually doing all of the the stories in the women's division over the course of this too. They did a really good job with that. And yeah. I'll say, Thunder Rosa is my favorite woman on the roster. It, it, I think that she's just not only she had the it factor, but she's got the intensity. Thunder Rosa looks like she's going to try and kill you, and that's fun uh, to watch. She's probably then, my favorite too. You know, uh, I agree with you. That segues into the finish of the match. Uh, obviously, you know, we, we already know who the Joker is at this point, right? Yep, Ruby yes. Soho, who she seemed quite taken aback that she got the reaction that she did when she came out. Well, the uh, the vignettes that she put out were fantastic and established that music and that persona. And, you know, it, there was a bit of a mystery as to where she was going to turn up. But, you know, reports were all saying that she was going to be in AEW, so... Everybody was mm-hmm. expecting and hoping that was it. And when the music hit, it, we all knew who it was. And it was perfect. It, was, fan- it was, once again, the worst kept secret in the wrestling. Fantastic signing. Like, that That really fixes a lot of their problems with the division. She was... And I think this is where WWE is really screwing up, is the way they misuse talented people makes them more over when they get to go somewhere and people think they're going to be used well. Yeah, yeah, and, I, and I'll, I will touch on that in a second, but um, the finish of the match ended up being Thunder Rosa and Ruby Soho, and a lot of people were upset that Thunder Rosa didn't win and that they gave it to the new person, but I can also see 
that there were a lot of people that were happy that Soho won. So since you all were saying you're big fans of Thunder Rosa, what did you think of the finish of that battle royal? I think Thunder Rosa is bulletproof and she didn't really look that bad going out. I I don't think she's bulletproof. I go because initially I didn't like it because I kind of I, I don't AEW's vibe is like okay this person debuts like we're going to immediately push them to the top but I think in the context it did actually make her debut really important and it made her instantly a big deal so I do I do in retrospect like it I think having Thunder Rosa be the final person eliminated still kind of keeps her protected and I do think I personally think that they're probably leading to Baker and Rosa with Thunder Rosa taking the title down the road. I don't think, I don't, I don't, I don't think Baker's, I I don't think she's having the title taken off before then. I think you got to really think about what you want to do with Rosa and Baker because topping their lights out Mm -hmm. match is going to be really, really tough. It's going to be tough. Cause that would, that match is, it'll it'll be tough, but Mm -hmm. it'll be a draw and it'll be money. That, that that match was fantastic by the way. Yeah. I, I just think that Thunder Rosa is tremendously talented. I agree. Like she's a star. Like when we were watching at this point, it's, it was like, what? Or it was, it was probably early 2020. Like the match she had with Allison K. Oh, that was great. Like at the NWA power pay-per-view, like that was a fantastic match. And that was really the match where I'm like, this, this woman is a star. Like, one of the bigger companies needs to well, sign she got, her. Remember she got like can. that huge pop when she came out too on that show. Like, yeah, more she than was. Anyone else. I, I, yeah, you could see that she just was going to be a star, and since then, I think she's only gotten better. Uh, and I think, I think long term, like they, they could definitely put the title on her, and they definitely draw money from her. Um, but so I kind of, I kind of, initially was I didn't like the Ruby Soho win, but it did instantly make her a big deal, and it did keep Thunder Rosa fairly protected. Uh, and I know I was listening to some of the Observer. I'm sure Dames has probably heard some of it, but I don't know if it's. I mean, I guess in the post post pay per view scrum, she was basically saying like, "This is the first time some people were like chanting my name." And oh, allegedly, people were. That whole thing. Yeah, allegedly people were like chanting her name at the pay per view. Dames would know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right, right on... about. I'm not sure if it came across on TV, but uh, you know, about a minute before, because they had a clock on the screen. And about a minute before the Joker was revealed, uh, the fans started uh, Ruby Soho chant. Uh-huh. And they kind of died down after about 20 seconds, and then she came out, and the place went crazy for her. And, uh-huh. and you could tell, just based on her face, that she was blown away by the reaction she got. And she was... I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you guys watched the uh, the Road to to Dynamite yet. They they put it out earlier today. Um, they kind of show some behind the scenes footage and. Uh, uh, Sarah Logan from the Riot Squad was there. She was there with her new baby, and she mm. surprised her. She purposely went there to see her debut, and she surprised her there. And so she had a, a really emotional day, and it was the happiest day of her life, clearly. And and in the scrum, yeah, you could just tell she was giddy, and she she's never felt this over in her life, and she's never gotten a crowd reaction like that in front of a crowd that big. So yeah, that's was, pretty. Was really I awesome. did. I didn't know that tidbit. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and also crying on the ramp when she, she was, she had to like compose yeah. herself on the ramp. And you know what? 
I love it. I love the fact that someone can come out, have that kind of reaction, and you know it's real in that moment. You know how much it means to that person. I I love it. Absolutely. So then yeah. what, when, I, when I think of that, that type of um, overcome with emotion face, uh, I think of Edge at the Rumble. You know, when he, when he came through the smoke, mm-hmm. he had this look on his face like, I cannot believe this is really happening right now. Yeah. So what what was next on they, the show? <laughs> hold on, though. Can I, a couple yeah. things. They, I still will forever hate um, Bucky Beaver for fucking up. Like, you should have. Oh, his you should have had the, Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, beyond that, you should have had the camera, the, the the camera right on the fucking entranceway as, as Edge's music played, like and yeah. they didn't do that. It's like, how do you not catch remember that? Remember when? Remember when that to AJ? Yeah, remember it was just Roman's face and like the and when they when they had to show the right view mm-hmm. on the thing, like it was this great shot of like I am phenomenal and the crowd just starts losing it. And it was such yeah. a brilliant shot, and instead on the actual show, it's just Roman Reigns's. It's just Roman looking at the audience. Yeah, it's it's awful. And they but... muted the crowd in that moment. Yeah. Like there are there are fan cam reactions to that moment when they start that, it hits and like wait a minute, what is that? It says I'm phenomenal, and the building comes apart. I remember watching it live, and they're like, yeah, it's just like Ducky Beaver. I will, I will say I will say JBL could be really hit or miss on commentary, but he had a brilliant line of commentary. He's like, that guy's had the IWGP title just like Brock Lesnar. Oh, that was a good sell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I wanted to do to discuss just about the the Casino Battle Royale in general, just to touch back on the Sky Blue. I had the only, not that this matters, obviously, her in ring talent inability is what matters but i had at least two or three people uh who wasn't familiar with her like message me over the weekend or at at the time of the the battle royal and they're like wow sky blue's like really pretty <laughs> like okay yes she is oh that's and not that's not all we need to focus on if, but you are correct if someone watched the show and they're wondering why, why riho got knocked out so quick that was supposedly an accident oh yes. was it really yeah yes okay and uh so, you know, theoretically, she should have to face Ruby for the number one contendership because that's what happened with the Eddie Kingston deal. He got the shot against the winner of the Battle Royal. So um, they've already announced that it's going to be Ruby versus Jamie Hayter, but now you have Ruby versus Riho in your back pocket for the next next show. Mm-hmm. So then what was next on our card? <laughs> The the uncertainty match is what I called it in my head. The, Chris Jericho versus MJF with his AEW career on the line. So what I liked here, and I think it helped to actually work the crowd better, was Jericho doing all of his callback spots. Yeah. He hit every one of his old spots, and he did a damn good job of it, too. So... This is the match where I got my merch. So <laughs> I, uh, oh, man. I, I, I watched the I watched the entrance and then uh, MJF entrance was awesome. And then Jericho's entrance. Here's what happened. Crowd is supposed to sing along. And then the guitarist lost us. And the crowd basically didn't know where we were in the song. And then they the guitarist did a really the, the guitarist did a really shitty job. If you ask me, he should have. Wasn't that. Wasn't that the guitarist from Fozzie? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, Danes would know this, but on the uh, 
the observer related fight game podcast uh facebook group people were just ripping on that guy they're like rick boogs uh, should be the one out there <laughs> doing <laughs> the guitar and it's like oh god <laughs> it reminded me of remember when motorhead did triple h's entrance and lemmy couldn't oh. remember the lyrics so and he, he was just, just kind of going like over and over and over again. yeah and he would just like kind of grumble between it like um yeah it's just, it's just the line is all about the game and how you play it yeah. for like 30 seconds. And he's probably just sitting there thinking like, I'm going to get so drunk and get on eBay and buy Nazi paraphernalia. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> That's not a joke but, about Lemmy. He did collect like Nazi paraphernalia, like as a historical buff kind of thing. But the uh, Jericho versus MJF, because I have this conversation going with a few different people. There was the discussion of, is this Jericho finally putting putting MJF over and giving him the rub? But on the other hand, I'm like, okay, here's the thing. The way that this feud has gone, it has not been MJF. It's been MJF weaseling every single. And I'm like, I don't. This has this has. It felt like the build of MJF getting his comeuppance at this point. Actually, someone put, did a great write up of what they saw this as which was the feud was over at this point mjf won the feud at every turn this was jericho post feud saying like i just have to prove that i can beat you so this existed okay. out of the context of the feud that mjf won that okay that's fair enough um it this was, was this was jericho saying okay i know you won the feud but like i want to prove i can beat you so bad i'm willing to retire if i can't do it right and it was um, first of all, I want to say MJF did a great job selling this match. He started selling his back about halfway through, and I saw him selling his back, and I'm like, "We're getting a we're getting a, a lion tamer spot. It, it, it's coming. We're getting a lion tamer spot." Um, and we get we got a really really good false finish in this too. Well, I like they did a really good job with the camera angle. And Aubrey did a really good job. Actually, Aubrey was um, Aubrey was the best worker in this in this match. <laughs> but she did a great you know job of when she did the count and his foot was on the rope. She made sure the way she like the way she turned and was looking was squarely on his shoulders, so she would miss the the foot in a logical way. And you know what? The announcers put her over for that. They said she missed it, and she goes. She's up there watching the shoulders like she's supposed to be. Of course she's going to miss that. Like, seriously, when I say the announcers did a great job on this, they did an, an amazing job for it. Like, they deserve a lot of credit. So uh, I did come back to see the finish of the match, and the finish of the match was great. Um, I, I don't know how – it didn't feel like people felt he could actually lose this match. So – when they did the finish, um, I don't think people really thought it was over. And when the other referee came, obviously there was a pop to restart the match. But I don't think there were a lot of people that really thought it was over yet. So um, uh, did you guys think at any point that, you know, were they not going to restart the match? When they did the foot on the rope bit, my thought was, okay, either they're going to restart the match or... We are going to – you can continue this from Jericho very clearly saying you didn't beat me. 
Yeah, that's I thought. But like as soon as I saw the other ref, I was like, oh, yeah, they're restarting this, which I thought was a good call. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, though. They that would be backing out of a stipulation and and AEW doesn't do that. That's, Even that's, if it's a self-imposed stipulation. Justin in our Discord was kind of saying, well, they could just use him for big stuff. And I was kind of like, well, no, if, they, if they're going to retire Jericho the way they stick to their steps there, they're going to not use him. So, like, yeah. like they have to be ready to not have him wrestle. The Cody yeah, and, rule. And, and at this point, I feel like he's done enough in the company where you can buy that, you know, maybe he's not going to be around anymore. Yeah. And yeah. I want, I also wanted to comment before the restart. I liked how they teased Wardlow was going to interfere. And because this is not WWE, Chris Jericho has friends. So Jake Hager yeah. came out and started brawling with him, which is honestly the best thing Jake Hager's done since being in AEW. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the things I love most about AEW is, Every babyface does not exist in a vacuum where he's trying to lone wolf everything. Yeah. And Guys have friends. They hang out with their friends and friends watch each other's back. And I love the inner circle, like just coming out and like jubilantly celebrating that he he won. Mm hmm. Uh, Chad, you brought this up like the first match or maybe it was Brad. I forget. But th- that is one thing I do generally like about AEW is that they don't treat their babyfaces as like they're they're fucking idiots like they're they're kind of clever to for the most part clever to the heels actions and things like that like they they, and yeah they they, the faces have it's not like the face gets the shit kicked out of them for like 20 minutes and then then their friends come out because you know the the storyline the narrative requires that they could be beaten up like you will see guys come out they do this a lot uh, well, we'll talk about like with the main event, but I mean, they did it. They did do a lot with like Jurassic Express, Best Friends, people like that. Like they, they, they will form together as a group, uh, you know. So I, I do like that they do that sort of thing. I, I, I got this pet theory, and I have nothing to back it up, but I got this pet theory that Tony Khan looks at that and go and says, "This has always pissed me off. It has never made sense. Made sense. We're not doing that." It's, I never want to see this happen. There's a touch of Japan in there where Japan can be very stable, heavy in promotions. Well, it, stables are also nice because it gives you a way to either give someone something to do when they're not in a feud or build up new guys. So, you know, Cody was kind of doing that with the Nightmare. New guys come in. He brings them into the Nightmare family, and then they do stuff, or they turn on them, and you have something like that. Well, but stables give you a good tool for doing it, and I what, like that. That's what Dragon Gate as a promotion is. It's a Stable Wars promotion. So everyone in Dragon Gate, is a, minus some outliers, are in a stable, and the drama in Dragon Gate is guys turning heel, joining a different stable, and the feuds exist on a bigger stables-esque um like stage instead of person versus person. Gotcha. And they have the best belt in the world where the, the challenger gets a key and they have to turn over the key if they lose. So the more the, the champion defends the um, belt, the more keys he gets on his belt. Oh, and wow. then if you win, you get to unlock the belt with your key and put your nameplate on the belt that is inside of it. That's a fun match. gimmick. Yeah, it's cool. 
So this leads us to probably the most anticipated match on the card. Yep. Uh, yep. Darby Allen versus CM Punk. And I feel, I feel, I feel bad, a little bad for Darby because he really put on, I think, an amazing performance of handholding Punk through this. And I don't think he's gotten quite the the credit he deserves. I feel like Punk. I feel like the last couple minutes of the match, you could start to see like there was a point where I'm like, oh, Punk's Punk's getting the rhythm, like he's getting his legs under him. But there was a good couple of minutes early on where Punk was a little lost i thought yeah i mean you could tell he was a little rusty uh but this is a crowd that is gonna forgive everything with him <laughs> yeah so uh you know the, the the other thing and this is something that i don't think people remember is his style is not you know pinball his style is actually holds abdominal stretches he breaks out the high spots when they make sense he has interesting counters. That's his style. He slows things down. You know, his matches with with the Joe were sixty minute classes because he was slowing them down and working them down with holds. He's a wrestler. He's gonna make you work. And uh, Darby is not just the spot monkey, and he proved it. He yeah. basically was hanging with him, and the, it was an homage. The opening spot was an homage to the one two three kid Bret Hart match. Yeah, and did a couple of a couple of someone couple on of Reddit. To it. Someone on Reddit put up the comparison. There were five spots straight from Bret Hart one two three kid that they paid tribute to in that match. Yeah, and I guarantee you that that is one hundred percent CM Punk's idea because Darby Allen wasn't alive when that match happened. <laughs> I love um, so I and and really I <laughs> I'm glad Darby got to show his mat work because like he, he Darby is like. I've I've often compared him to sometimes to being like a ballerina, like he's just so graceful and fluid in his movements. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing that people don't really know about Darby, I guess, because he does so many like crazy spots, is that the dude actually was he's like a I don't know if he was, I think he was collegiate level. He's like an actual wrestler. Mm-hmm. Like he actually did wrestling, like real wrestling, amateur wrestling back in the day. That I did not know. Yeah, he's a very capable technician, but he said in his interview with Jericho, he said, nobody wanted to book me on that, so I had to do the crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Look, I I will admit, I've I've never been a punk fan. Um, Just, he doesn't doesn't click with me. But Darby made this, (laughs) Darby put in so much work, and this, this was good. I love really I love the end where he goes to the coffin drop and Punk just sits up. Mm, yeah, yeah. That's, that was a really good spot. Yeah. I love <laughs> spots like that. You don't have to be high effort. You don't have to be crazy to do a clever spot, and I really enjoy those. Yeah, I definitely think that was the highlight of that match. Um, then also the, um, the GTS where Darby fell to the outside. You couldn't have planned that spot to look better. It looked like he killed him, and it looked like he legitimately fell to the outside. And Punk and looked so like disconcerted that he missed his spot because he there was kind of like this sense with Punk, like, oh man, like I don't know if I can, if I, I don't can, know like, if I can get that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, that was that was awesome. Um, yeah, and obviously the crowd was molten for him. So, so. 
I, I was just looking into the crowd. At one point, you know, during the, uh, the one of the video packages, the lights are all up, and I'm looking in the crowd, and I'm looking in at, at each section, and you can just see how many people have CM Punk shirts on, right? And I'm looking, and I actually counted, and there were at least five entire sections where there was at least minimum of one person, usually at least three or four, with mm-hmm. CM Punk shirts in every row. Hmm. He, I, it's tough to predict the future, but if anyone could potentially be a game changer, it would be Punk. I tried to explain to my wife because we watched the the second episode. That was it. The first episode. I think which episode of Rampage was second. It? I think the second episode. Second. Yeah. We watched that. We watched his his you know return and, and promo live. Um, cause it was like such a moment. I, I never, I pretty much never watched stuff live, but it was such a moment that we watched it live and I had to explain to her. She's like, well, what's the big deal? What's with this guy? Cause she's, she hasn't never, she's never really experienced him. She was, he was gone for like seven years. And yeah. so I was like, you don't understand like this guy to the extent that there, there is like a star who's young enough that he could still go it's it's punk like there's because there's people that are you know quote-unquote stars or were legitimately stars but it's like they're not of an age like they're gonna keep going like sting is kind of like a star he's sort of miraculously but able to do <laughs> some actual like in-ring stuff because the guy is actually like a genetic freak but you're not gonna get like hulk hogan coming out there and and no. working a match like you're not gonna get rick flair can maybe come out and cut a promo for you but it's it's not He's also seen these guys a lot in the last like thirty years, twenty years. But Punk is is like the guy. Like he was the almost like the white whale. Like he left. He left. It didn't have anything to do with with wrestling at least for seven years. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he came back is a huge deal. Like people are a lot of people are watching because of him. Yep. So it, that's kind of like goes back to the whole powder keg argument where it's like they. They could potentially do something. It is could be like a spark that's being lit. Yeah. So so um, not to fast forward too far ahead, but mm-hmm. after the show, after the show, I'm walking out of the building. I'm meeting up with some friends. I'm meeting up with with the Fight Game Media Group and, and mm-hmm. a couple other people. And while we're standing there, some random person that was sitting at the steps uh, kind of volunteered some information. <laughs> we weren't talking to them. They just started talking. But they basically said. You know, this is my my first ever AEW show. I've never watched a Rampage, a Dynamite, nothing. I came to this. I am hooked. I'm an AEW fan now. And I'm like, what made you decide to come? He's a 100% CM Punk. I haven't watched wrestling in forever. I love that dude. And he's the reason why I'm here. But now I'm going to stay. And I, I think that, that that's what they wanted. I've, I felt that's... like going into this, and Matt said it, I think, in our group chat. He said... This pay-per-view, like, I think it was a couple days out, this pay-per-view feels like a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I can tell that there were so many new eyes on this show, and from all accounts, it looks like uh, Wednesday is going to be their biggest rating ever, just because people want more, um, and uh, the sky's the limit. We'll see where they, where they go from there. Yeah. And I want to so, say something 
they did it they did in the pre-show they did like a sit-down interview with jr and cm punk and he asked like so why do you want why do you want to wrestle darby allen and i thought it was a great reply he's like he's like because if i was 13 years old again right now darby allen would be my favorite wrestler and i thought that was a really great line it is a good line um okay so and oh and and sting showing up at the end you know that's that was yeah. a nice moment too so we all got a pee next um yeah so well, this... okay so <laughs> this next match paul white versus qt marshall served two roles number one is it's good pee break number two it was the cooler you weren't expecting a whole lot out of this match what, it... were, what were you expecting out of this match you're expecting paul white to chokeslam qt marshall I thought it was for for what it was supposed to be. I thought it was about as good as it could be. Yeah, it it did exactly what it was supposed to do. Yep, QT it, died, it, and then we we moved on with our lives. So yeah, and it it was not a huge deal, but it gave the crowd enough of a chance to catch their breath, kind of calm down. Didn't piss them off either. They got the outcome out of it they wanted, so they're still in a good mood heading into the main event. But, you know, this isn't a high-stakes thing. No. This is, this is Paul White's first match in AEW, and we want to see him kill QT Marshall. Yep. Hey, and wish granted. He did. So, we, and um... It was... So, it, it was, I, got, I, gotta, I gotta say, a lot of people have been saying, yeah, it, it's a cooler match. I don't think you really need one, to be honest with you. Um... I, I feel like the New Japan style where every match builds and builds and builds and builds and then you finally get to your main event match. I don't think you need a cooler match. I think it's kind of like a myth. And and I feel I, I know for a fact, um, so I, I know some people who were backstage that the one of the main reasons why this match happened is because if anybody went long, they can cut it. <laughs> um, so the the thing about having a, a buffer style thing buffer style match um you got a lot of people that are watching this product for the first time and everybody without question is saying this is the worst match of the show so instead of doing that just cut the match and do a couple of video packages or a couple of vignettes you could have aired your promos here building for your dynamite while you and then you can bring everybody back for your main event video package it does save it saves Jericho MJF from being the worst match on the show, though. <laughs> I, I I think I I would actually argue to say it was Mox and Kojima. I like that match. Well, that's I like when you, when I when 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 I say that's the worst match on the card, this is a phenomenal card. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that is that's true. that's true. But I'm gonna but disagree that's, with you, match. James. I'm gonna disagree with you because I I really do think that having a breather. Between a match as big as Punk Allen and the main, I, I really do think that's important. I've been on shows where you put two big things like that back to back and you run the crowd out of gas. Like that that's happened on some shows I worked. So uh, I'm just gonna I, I just respectfully disagree. So so I watched the main event and then I was looking at what the, the match times were the next day. I was actually shocked this match went 22 minutes because it did not feel like 22 minutes to me at all. It felt like it honestly felt like it was 10 minutes. And I know it wasn't like as I was watching it, but it just it it like there's something about the way Kenny Omega paces his matches that just 
eats time in a way you don't realize. I am. Um, I, again, I didn't watch this match. I didn't watch any of this pay-per-view live. I, I've only seen highlights, but the highlights made it seem that this was this like the closest we've come to New Japan Omega. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It looked like it. Yeah. It just in terms of like his the the work that he was putting in and his like demeanor, his mannerisms, things like that. Well, and they did a lot of this. Did a lot of callbacks to their Rampage match. Like, they Mm -hmm. really didn't do a feeling out segment. It feels like they just kind of picked up right where they left off with the first match, which I thought was was really good. They started hot. I love the. so hot. I love, like, his foot stomp onto the table spot. That looked really good. Um, Just even, like, the the way they fought over the table, the second table spot, I thought was great because they were both trying to hit their signatures. Then Christian just kind of spears him through. I even love the ending where he couldn't get the one winged angel because Christian was like, had really studied up and was avoiding it. And then they're mm-hmm. doing something on the top rope. Christian gets a little careless and Omega just hits a top rope one winged angel just to yeah. show like how, how adept he is at wrestling. It was, this match did a great job at having these two guys look evenly matched they had, like, you know, Omega's obviously younger and faster and stuff, but, forgive the pun, but Christian is cagier. Um, yeah, I I know. Uh, but it made for, like, this match was was 21-20 by the listing I'm looking at. This match was 50 seconds shorter than the Battle Royal was. And it didn't feel like it had slow spots. You know, it, it kept moving along this was the longest matches on the card were this the battle royal and the lucha brothers young bucks match and they were all within 20 all within 45 seconds of each other in terms of length like and none of these things felt like that they drug they just they moved and it was great like the pacing was great and it we was, got a great yeah, back it, and it, forth. That definitely didn't feel like uh, like that match went as long as it did. Um, at the same time, though, I will say this. Um, I never felt that Christian was going to win that belt. Um, oh, not and, and I, No. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's part of the reason why, you know, obviously people wanted Hangman in that spot. And, uh, you know, he asked for time off, and that's why the match didn't happen, but. The, uh, the deal with, with Christian being in that spot is obviously you needed credibility so they had him win the impact title on, on that first rampage. Mm-hmm. So you're building to this you're building to the second match. But I think everybody expected Omega to win and then you're gonna have your surprise at the end. So I was just waiting. Yeah. I, I was I was standing up and I was nervous and I had that nervous energy, but it had nothing to do with the match. <laughs> I was just waiting for the match to end. I considered going in everybody everybody was sure that christian wasn't going to win but it was still so engaging that's how good they were they they did give you that moment of doubt where he straight up just hit the kill switch engage and omega just barely kicked out like there was Mm -hmm. they did it they did a couple of good jobs of like putting a little bit of doubt in there but i think i think omega is just that good too I'm not generally an Omega guy, but this match was great. Like they, he he doesn't do a whole lot for me, but this match was spectacular. They have a good chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
you mentioned surprises. So I felt like an idiot because I didn't realize like um, when when he was talking about how the only people that can beat me aren't here retired or already dead i didn't realize the foreshadowing until i thought about it later because they killed um they killed adam cole off on being the elite and that's what he was referring to and that totally went over my head like until later oh no i've been expecting that because i love that and i i've uh, i'm a big fan of being the elite and that's one of my favorite storylines and how excited do you think adam cole was afterwards when he watched it back and here's jr jr go it's adam cole baby yeah i mean that he came across like more of a star in one night than he ever did in the next team well and you know know what but this is where i love AEW. Because people are like, he turned heel on them. And I'm like, no, he never turned heel. He came out of the heel entrance. Yes. He came out of the... Uh, I noticed you, the exact same thing. Pay attention to that. It's, I forget they have like a... a thing. Yeah, actually, uh, I saw some backstage footage. And Chris it actually says... It actually says on the tunnel, AEW babyface. Hmm. So then he comes out and he's... And he um he yeah. obviously joins the elite, which didn't surprise me because like I said, as soon as I saw him come out of the the heel entrance, yeah. He, um, now James is is being there with the live crowd. Would they have been upset if he was the surprise and not the other one? No. So so here's the thing: a lot of people were expecting Brian, but we also know that there's a big show coming up in New York, so everybody's thinking if one shows up here, the other one shows up there. Everybody's yeah. been saying Danielson's coming tonight. Maybe it's Cole, right? So when when Cole comes out, he gets this huge ovation, and most people thought, oh, I guess they're saving Danielson for New York. And nobody expected both. And I actually called it. I, I whispered to my wife, as soon as Jungle Boy was getting up, I said, oh, he's turning, they're going to hug, and Danielson's going to come and save the day. And I called it, and that was awesome. And um, I was actually waiting for the final countdown. I was waiting for the, for, the, for the song to start. And so when I heard Flight of the Valkyries, people popped huge and I couldn't hear the rest of the song. And then his new like, hip-hop track started playing. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> and, uh, and then, yeah, Brian wanted, Danielson came out. Supposedly Europe wanted $50,000, which I feel like you're Europe, like you should you should ask for 20,000, you probably could have had $20,000. It, it's because yeah, it, they yeah. wanted 50,000 per play. Yeah. And it, apparently, if I understand what I've read correctly, it's cuz Europe hates that song and so they don't want people That's playing. their only song. What I, apparently no they one hate it. Is that like the guy that um, did Don't Worry, Be Happy, won't even, like, talk about it anymore because he hates it? Yeah, or Alec Guinness hated being Obi-Wan Kenobi or something like that. Name another Europe song. I couldn't. Uh, Nope. Yeah, you can't. That's exactly right. (laughs) Yeah. But... I would have loved to have heard that, but sometimes uh, I, I think I, I, sometimes I, I think uh, I just died in your arms tonight is a Europe one. And I'm like, no, that's cutting crew. So yeah, I can't tell you. Uh, air supply. Yeah. I I was legitimately nervous because I felt that I was going to weep if he had, if they had played that song, and I didn't want to be the crying guy on TV. <laughs> <laughs> but I was ready. Like I okay, so I've got videos 
of practically every entrance of this show or, or, you know, a lot of big moments. And when, after Adam Cole came out, actually, no, right before Adam Cole came out, I, I, you know, me thinking it was Brian, I was waiting for the final countdown to start. I, my wife is like, get your phone ready. <laughs> you know, cause I just, I, I don't have it in my head. She's like, nudging me, like, get your phone ready, get your phone ready. And I said, no, I want to feel it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that is completely fair. You know, I actually think because Cole isn't as well known, obviously, as Danielson is. But I thought that was a brilliant way to debut him, though, because he actually gets a rub being overshadowed by Danielson because he's that guy that faked you out. And like if you weren't if you're not as into like the current scene, like he's that guy that disappointed you and then like was a jerk and joined them. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's also it's also you're taking the biggest chess piece away from NXT. You're getting your first huge defection. Someone who Vince McMahon personally, and everybody knows that uh, that he was meeting with Vince McMahon. He's got a million dollar offer on the table to go to Raw or SmackDown, and he chose to leave. Not only that. That's crazy. Not only that, but in some of the, uh, I guess the the post-pay-per-view discussion, he... He was complimentary, but he was also like, this wasn't even really like a, it wasn't even like a debate. It wasn't yeah, like a yeah. struggle. He basically yeah. said like, yeah, I was going to go. I mean, I've talked to, I've, I've talked to, uh, to Brad and Chad about this. It's just like, it makes, it makes perfect sense. Cause like so many of his friends are there. His, his girlfriend is there and he has all the reasons to go. I'm sure he got a good money deal, but beyond that, it's like he can work fewer shows he can probably have. He probably has the same flexibility that, like, Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson was looking for. Like, he can actually do, you know, New Japan if he wants to, or some other show. And he, the, it made people are like, oh, with more money. It's like, yeah, we've established already that with Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt, like, them offering you big money means nothing because yeah. in like six months they could decide, oh, we're paying you too much, you're fired. So might as well. Might as well strike when the iron's hot and go to AEW, become instantly become a big deal. And when on a WWE uh, pay-per-view was he going to get to do what he did on this pay-per-view right out of the gate? Oh, he, he, he there, there's, there's no, I can't envision a scenario where he would show up to the pay-per-view and be given such a prominent spot and be made to be like a big deal. And, and like, what, what's he going to do? What's he going to do if he goes to Raw? He's going to wrestle Ricochet 20 times in the next three months because Bruce Pritchard just um, books the same matches over and over and over again. Well, and, and he's on the smaller side, so realistically he's he's getting squashed by, I don't know, Karrion Cross or somebody. Yeah. Uh, and another and thing... that, that, that reminds Go me, ahead. Matt, i got to ask you, do you still think Adam Cole sucks? <laughs> I'm not a fan, but I think it's embarrassing that I was... they, they made such an unforced error that they just handed AEW. Their youngest this their youngest games, guy on the roster I have upside. I've historically not been the biggest Adam Cole fan. I think you just cut out. Hey, hey, hear me? Little... There you are. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I cut out I cut out a little bit. Uh, I've historically not been the biggest Adam Cole fan. Um, and really in the last like six months or so, them dicking him around at NXT has kind of like turned me. Like I am now 
if not an, a, an Adam Cole fan, I'm I'm eagerly awaiting anything that AEW does with Adam Cole. I'm not I'm not so a they, fan. They took, I'm, I'm still not a fan, they, but he's an they, asset. They basically they basically made me they turned me from like an agnostic on Adam Cole to like I'm now interested and invested in what they're going to do with him. How did your uh, How did your wife take his debut? Uh, she hasn't seen it. Oh, okay. She, and, That's right. and she wouldn't really know. I mean, she's seen him wrestle, but she, she remembers. It, she, she'll remember him. She called him Bebe all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she did. Because my wife doesn't really follow us wrestling, but she likes to give nicknames to people. <laughs> and she does this in, in our real life, too. Like, she gives nicknames just to people we know. Um, <laughs> no, 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 nothing bad. It's just, like, funny <laughs> stuff. Like, there's a guy at our daycare who's, like, he's, like, overly friendly to people. She's, like, oh, best friend dad. Like, that's her nickname for him. <laughs> and she doesn't mean it in a bad way. It's just, like, you know, he's overly friendly. So it's, like, oh, God, best friend dad. It's an, it's an easy way um, to identify. Yeah. So, yeah, she she did call him baby back in the day. But she she hasn't really uh, – she was asking, like, what what's the big deal? What's the deal to pay for you? And like, oh, it's like huge. People are saying it's one of the best pay-per-views last several years. Like all these debuts happen. So she was excited about it, but she hasn't seen it. Um, I was talking to Brian Chad about this. One thing that is kind of understated, like one thing that Adam Cole said actually mattered. And I know on on the Observer Live, like Meltzer was kind of downplaying this, but it's like Adam Cole mentioned this as a reason why he signed one of the reasons why he signed so it actually does matter but the whole wwe twitch policy actually is something that was a big thing to him because he's like i i don't want to stop twitch i love twitch like it's it's a big deal to me i was waiting for a spot to bring that up and he gets more time to do it with AEW. yeah Yeah. so it's like their their stupid policy that they they just can't uh, literally have billion dollar tv deals but they're so fucking greedy that they have to have a piece of that pie too like is an is is a factor in a it, talented guy being like no I, I don't want to do that. It it's the money isn't everything. Where you work and then the fact that they dictate what you can do with your time off or mm. they try to, yeah, that's gonna piss you off and you're not gonna want to stay there. And that's something I've seen WWE stands completely miss the point repeatedly. It's so frustrating. But of course Adam Cole's gonna go. It, what else is there for him to do? The, the if Twitch he goes thing, to the main roster, we said he's going to be fodder. They're going to cut him loose at the first opportunity. The thing Why that, would he not know where his friends were, where he can keep his channel? And he can just be happy even if he's not doing top of the card stuff because he's hanging out with his buddies. The Twitch thing is stupid, though, because to me, they they really botched that. Because if it was me, it would just be like, okay, well... If you have a Twitch channel and you're using our copyrighted name, like you owe us a a certain percent because you know you're you're selling yourself based on our name, but you can keep your channel. Just just cut us a little bit, at, you know, just cut us a little slice of that pie, like maybe five or ten percent, and then you're good to go. We don't care. Just as long as we get our little our little our little you know palm scratched. I think that's fine if it's like if Bray Wyatt is doing a stream 
and he has like the whole makeup and everything and he's like hey it's the fiend let's play some Fortnite. it's like okay <laughs> yeah like i i get he's he's actually doing it as the gimmick so that would make sense to me that it's like okay the wwe's like look you're doing the gimmick it, we kind of need a little bit of this like that's that that's fair to me but if it's like hi i'm Wyndham rotundo yeah, let's they don't... play. Uh, let's play a game. It's like that. No, like he's he's his own thing. Yeah, like if uh, if you're if you're going to if if, if let's let's use Xavier Woods. If he's if he's doing it as Xavier Woods, okay, he needs to cut them a check for a little bit of that money. But if he's doing it as Austin Creed, then he doesn't owe you a thing. Yeah, I'm of the place where I would I would have it in the contract. It says if you work here. These are the restrictions. You don't badmouth the company. You don't badmouth your coworkers. Don't do stuff that's embarrassing. And if you comply with these rules, then I make it a fringe benefit that it allows you to stream under whatever name you're using on TV because I'm not missing out on all that much. It's written in the contract that I'm offering it to you as a fringe well, benefit. The, the, problem, the problem they would have there, though, is – with the way intellectual property works, if they twitch under that name and they don't take action, it could weaken their copyright. So that's why I think they have to at least put in a minimal, well, a minimal fee it, for that. But is, would that be the case even if it's written in their contract that we say we allow you to use this I don't, under these circumstances? I don't know, but like, like I, I think though, if they're asking five or ten percent, I mean, who gives who gives a crap? That's kind of where well, I'm saying, like, it, it, it's at least going through the motions. I don't know if it's in their contract. I don't know. I just know that, like, when people get mad at, like, Nintendo and stuff, when they cease and desist, like, they always intentionally ignore the fact that if you do not litigate your intellectual property, it weakens yeah. your your rights to stuff. I mean, years ago, Diamond Dallas Page had to do that with, um, I think it was Wu-Tang. It's like because they were using the same kind of hand gesture. And so he's like he he filed the suit and they settled out of court. And there was a picture like a month later of them smiling, doing the diamond cutter symbol together. And I have to figure it's Paige calls him up and goes, look, guys, you know, I don't want to have to do this, but I have to protect my stuff. So I'm going to have to file the suit to prove that I'll do it. We'll settle for some. We'll settle it. Yeah, we'll settle it. And then we can just kind of all go on with our lives. But I, if I don't do this with you, I can't do it with anybody else. And, yeah, you know what? Honestly, with what we've learned over the last few years, that's probably exactly what he did. Um, I, I get protecting your intellectual property. I'm just saying, you know, I would find a way to offer it as a as a benefit like, yeah. for my employees. Just why it I don't need if I'm in that position, I don't need the money. So why would I not offer that? Just kind of keep the people that work for me a little happy. I don't think because I think the problem is here. So here's what I think the problem with with the the Twitch policy is. Vince McMahon does not know what Twitch is. (laughs) He does not know what it is. You could probably explain it to him and he's still not going to know what it is. So what I think happened here is some bean counter convinced him that they're being robbed of like thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars a year by them doing this. And because Vince doesn't know what Twitch is um, because you know, he's old, which I wouldn't expect someone that's like 72 years old to understand what Twitch is. So I think he's older than that. Well, okay. What? 74. Like I think he's like 76. Okay. But at his age, he doesn't know what it is. 
someone in accounting convinced him that they're being robbed of all this money. And it's just, I think that's the problem. I 100% buy into that theory. Yeah, uh, I, I'll agree with you on that. It's just, it, it seems to me a bad way to, to operate because you're you're slapping your employees around for something that doesn't matter to you but does matter to them. Because if you said to Vince... Oh well, it's a, it's a channel where we play video games. Like, well, why do you, why do people want to you to want want to watch you play Pong? Like, that's that's what yeah, video games are to Vince. I don't think that a seventy six year old would have a hard time grasping. I think just Vince would. This is the guy. Vince would let Paul Burchill do a pirate gimmick when Pirates of the Caribbean was hot. And he's like, why don't anybody care about pirates? No, Shad, this is the guy. Have you heard, like this is the guy that where Jim Ross had to take him on the internet to prove to him that Asian pornography was a thing. Yeah. That's probably a better example. <laughs> <laughs> just but, uh, okay. Well, no, go ahead, Matt. I was gonna. Oh, I was gonna shift. I was gonna talk about Adam Cole again, but we'll yeah, go for it. it. I was just gonna say like <laughs> this is such an inside comment, but afterwards I like messaged Dames and I'm like, you finally got your big Adam Cole debut, <laughs> which is for those who don't know, there is I I wish I could actually find it I I couldn't find the clip of it, but there is a there's video of Damien going just nuts because uh two oh, I guess like uh. Uh, two years ago, I think. Two and a half years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right after, right, right after, uh, NXT Takeover was, Brooklyn. The it, next, it and was after, after it was at, it was after Mania thirty five. Yeah, it was Raw Mania. 35. Yeah, so it was the uh, Raw right after Mania thirty five. It's it was the perfect time to debut. You're gonna get me hot again. The undisputed era as a faction on Raw. And I think everyone was anticipating, and it they didn't. And Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong are the only ones left. Yeah, two and a half years later, they still haven't debuted any of them on the main roster. And I just Dame's like cut, like basically cut a promo as he's eating a hot dog, and he's just yes. <laughs> rem- like, no one gives a rem- fuck about the bar. <laughs> I remember the line so well because you're getting ready to take a bite, and someone said, "What about the bar?" And you're, you're almost like jumping up and down. Who gives a shit about the bar? <laughs> <laughs> and I, everything he said was right. Everything is yeah. exactly true. Oh my god, I still can't believe it's been two and a half years and they never brought them up. They yeah. never brought them up. And I mean that—that's just that's a waste right there. Why would Adam Cole could have been a star three years ago, and they decided not to. They decided to keep him down there. I hear what you're saying, but he was never going to be a star there. They were never going to be. They, they, they never gave him the opportunity. I mean, they even, never even tried. Even look at the other debut, though. I felt like Brian Danielson felt like a bigger star here than he did at his most over in WWE. It, with the exception of the end of WrestleMania 30. Yeah, because it always yeah. felt like it always felt like he was just this over guy that they were never going to properly utilize. And I even felt like he got a bigger reaction here because the crowd didn't have that underlying, like, I like this guy, but I'm tired of fighting with him every step of the way, too. Mania 30 is one of my favorite reactions in wrestling in the last ever how many years, especially in a company that didn't elicit any kind of reaction out of me for it. But now, 
here we have here at the end of the end of the show, Adam Cole comes out and he's talking and that sort of stuff, and they're getting ready to leave. And the music hits, and here comes the American Dragon, even if they're not calling him that. I just think it's a cool name. He comes down, walks around the ring. Everyone's kind of backing up from him. He rolls in. He helps the faces up. And then the fight breaks out, and, you know, he he goes nuts. We have to, you have to mention the best part of the right before the brawl, though, is all hell's about to break loose, and right when they go for it, Kenny Omega runs just bails like a bitch oh we have to talk about we forgot to mention don Callis's fantastic pink suit (laughs) ruby slippers yeah salmon colored i thought it was salmon colored but no that's mark Henry's. yeah that's that's mark henry's uh gimmick brother we can't step on that but i also met mark henry again on saturday (laughs) that's cool oh is he a nice what's he like in person He's a big guy. I mean, I met him a couple of times. That, that infamous story with Mark Henry, I don't think you guys You know, know he, but, um, he's one of those um, guys that puts over Cesaro Huge as being, like, the strongest guy he knows. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I was at the Busted Open party on Saturday. I don't listen to Busted Open at all, but my buddies who live in Chicago that I was hanging out with, they do. So they bought us tickets, and we went to this thing. And, um. So Mark Henry was there, obviously as part of the show, but so was Will Hobbs and Santana and Captain Sean Dean, and uh, it was basically just like a, a rooftop of a little bar where maybe sixty fans total. Oh, Izzy, the super fan from NXT, she was there with her mom, <laughs> um, huh. and and uh, you know we all got like two drink tickets. Everybody's drinking and eating and ha- hanging out and having a good time. And Dave LaGreca did uh, some bits for his podcast and TV and, and show, and it was a good time. And uh, everybody got uh, you know pictures with uh, with the wrestlers and Mark Henry, and it was cool. Cool. I have an opportunity coming up this weekend to um, uh, potentially uh, meet Darby. So if I get a chance, I'll go talk to him. Um, I don't know that I'll get a picture with him because, frankly, money can only stretch so far, and I'm gonna go meet Ricky Steamboat first. But uh, I need still like I need Danhausen to hit the convention circuit. <laughs> there was a G. Was that was that what show was that this weekend? Where like the um that was a that was a Black Label Pro show. Where like uh, the and... the main event was an eight man tag and it was Warhorse and some guys versus Danhausen, 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 and Danhausen. Yes, it was. Uh, <laughs> it, they did a play of like the you know the four doinks, but yeah. it was. Uh, oh God, it was it was a Black Label Pro show. I don't know that that was the main event, but it was. Uh, it was. Uh, let me look it up. Was that it the was Tom a... Waller show? Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. It was ground control to Filthy Tom, <laughs> uh, and the the eight man tag was Effie Warhorse, Dan the Dad, and a mystery partner against four Danhausens. And before <laughs> I was talking again, I mentioned him several times, but our friend Justin, I was messaging him before the show, and I'm like, I hope that the mystery partner is Danhausen, and that <laughs> it's just a you know versus a multitude of Danhausens. Uh, but it was se- it was several like indie workers that you may have heard about, uh, but they were all like painted up like Danhausen, and it was uh, apparently it's a very fun match. One of the guys was Cabana Man Dan. Oh yeah, he's been around I don't, forever. 
he's been around forever. I don't know if you follow him. I've seen him wrestle live before. He's a guy that actually like it, it, the COVID era has ironically been kind to him and that he's gotten he's like a short dude, uh, Filipino, but got in like super good shape. And he's like really fun to watch now. Uh, not that he wasn't before, but now he's like he's kind of more believable as like a he can like he kick like basically beat your ass like he because he's in, he's in shape and he's a good worker. But it's he was one of the <laughs> the Danhausens. It's 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 really wacky shit like that that I actually love. Yeah. And Danhausen that's that plays right to Danhausen's strength. It's like it's so fun. I still love his um his YouTube channel. It's his uh his response to not being number one at the PWI. Oh yes, that's I was is about fantastic. To it, yeah, where he they bleep out the the swearing, of course, because Dan Housen doesn't swear. But well, he and Lance Archer, he's... he and Lance Archer <laughs> just had a secondary interview. Oh really? Because um because the first one's great because like and I know they did it on purpose because like he's like I went to interview no swearing he's like fine he's like well what about this look well you know I just I fucked his ass up he's like no swearing. <laughs> And his um the one with the alley cat where he tried white claw, he's like, Oh, this is spicy water. Ah, spicy water. Spicy water. Oh. Dames, are you a are you a Dan Hazen fan? Um, not really. I honestly haven't seen too much of him. I've just seen a couple couple skits on YouTube that I don't seem to get. So uh <laughs> I, I don't know much about him. Um I know he's over though with a lot of people. He's kind of like, he, he's kind of like a, the gimmick's kind of like one of, you know, like when we were kids or even like um the Sven Gulli, he's kind of like a horror movie host kind of gimmick. It kind of is a play on that. Yeah. But, but better and funnier. Yeah. He's, he, he's got, okay. Probably the best part of his gimmick is his, is his foreign object. Um, his right. reasoning is good. His reasoning is, I'm a wrestler because I want to make lots of money and have a big gold house and drive a rocket car. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. But his foreign object is a jar. It has human teeth in it. Mm-hmm. It's not a foreign object to put human teeth in someone else's mouth to disorient them because their mouth is already full of teeth. And so, <laughs> it's 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 just got this great logic. Yes, he's technically correct, which is the best kind of correct. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, he's he his character work is so strong that that's that's part of why he's so strong. He won over a modern wrestler, won over Jim Cornette. Like yeah. that's he got on he got on fucking Conan O'Brien's podcast. He, he did. did. Yeah, he's great. he's he's a smart. He's he's really. The actual guy is is really smart about what he, he's um if you have some time like you should watch some of the videos he's done with yeah. RJ City on YouTube. Where oh, they just rip R- the, the 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 burns mm-hmm. they put on each other just in other oh, yeah. random videos like just crack me up. There's yeah. one from like it's a while it's like a, a couple of years old or something where it's like they're I think it's I think the title of it or one of them it's like RJ drinks coffee in his underwear or some stupid thing like that but they're they're interviewing each other and and dan housen's like oh no swear and he's like doing all this comedy stuff and rj at one point just looks at him and he goes who is your like what is your appeal like who is your market <laughs> who are you marketing this to <laughs> so all right 
so AEW All Out was just not to put too fine a point on, it, but it's just fantastic. Um, I think so, someone on, on a message board said it, and I 100% agree. I spent 50 bucks and by the end of the first hour, I got my money's worth. And if I had put a hundred dollars down to buy the pay per view, I wouldn't have felt cheated at all. Well, I think now um, before before we get to the show wrap up, there is one point that I want to make about Brian Danielson signing with AEW, mm-hmm. and and that is that it is unheard of for a WrestleMania main eventer to jump ship in the same year that they main event WrestleMania. Yeah. They signed the main eventer of WrestleMania and the main eventer of NXT TakeOver. <laughs> they debuted it the same night. Like that's yeah. fucking unheard of. And now it's un- Danielson... Yeah, um, so Danielson also said that, you know, while CM Punk wants to mentor these guys, he wants to kick the shit out of them. <laughs> and he wants to bash their heads in. And I cannot wait because the vicious, sadistic American Dragon is my favorite modern wrestler in the last 30 years since Bret Hart retired. Yeah. Um, and, and oh, man, I'm, I'm beyond excited to see what he can do in AEW. I, that was the thing, the thing on the show that got me on my feet. And I know it was right at the very end, but that was. Like I'm, I'm sitting in my chair watching it, and you know, gesticulating and all this. Sort of, but when he comes out, I, I, I stood up out of my seat and I was like, had my fists up, and I'm just like, yes, because I love Danielson, and you know, here he is. Now I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get to see like the unfiltered version of him, and I'm excited. And the, the group that we had in the end of, the, at, I'm sorry, Matt, I'll, I'll stop in just mm-hmm. a second. The group yeah. we had, I know you've heard me say this, the group we had of faces in the ring together at the end of the show, that four-man group is a fantastic four-man group because you've got Christian the Surly Vet, Danielson is an ace, Jungle Boy is the promising up-and-comer, and, and uh, Luchasaurus as the big guy. Like You had this fantastic group together. That's a great point. Uh, I, I talked to you about that. But I really did like that. It's kind of in the very last moments you have this big debut. You're also kind of in the way, given the rub to Jurassic Express, because you're actually yeah. having them there involved. Mm-hmm. And oh, man. everybody's trying to put those guys over. Every single person that, mm-hmm. that talks about the future of AEW, the first person they say is Jungle Boy. He's no, they're it, they're <laughs> AEW obviously has all these new signings, and that's fantastic but they have a a just a it's a what's the there's a there's a term for it it's like uh an embarrassment of riches or something like that they have like so many guys that clearly can be like the next generation of guys and this jungle boy is definitely one of them darby is probably further along like that's a guy that you can probably see darby, darby is a ratings draw right now. yeah you can you can put him into like the main event sooner rather than later and have him be a, he's arguably already a star but you you can have him be like the a main star sooner rather than later mm-hmm. and you have other guys like mjf who like he's going to be like a major heel down the road like you you have like a tremendous amount of talent that you could scout with, but yeah, I love that they they included him, Jungle Boy and Lucia, uh, some yeah. Jurassic Express, yeah, uh, down there. That that was fantastic, uh, and I hope 
as an aside, like I love that they have Christian Cage just kind of associated with them and mentoring them. I don't, I don't think they're going to, but they really should not be turning Christian heel anytime soon. I think that I, I like, I like the thing that one of the things that AEW does that I really love is like they do pair veterans with younger guys. Um, I think that's really something that has made them stand out, and it, it's really cool. Um, to speak to the Brian Danielson debut. Like Danielson is one of the guys in the last like 15, 20 years. He's one of the few guys that personally to me, like I've had like a real like emotional connection with. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's it, there's probably there's guys that I like, obviously, and I'm a fan of. But there are guys there. There are few guys that I actually have a connection to. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like going back. If you look at the the early 2000s, guys, the last time there were guys like that. It was like Eddie Guerrero. Yeah. And, and really Benoit before, obviously the, what happened? Yeah. Like I was a huge yeah. fan of him. It's like guys like that. It's like guys that would not or should not be main guys based upon the old school mentality, but became big things because of their talent and just how connected you could get with them. And to me, like Danielson was that guy. So I'm, I'm excited for him to be and i'm excited to see what he's going to do not just in aew but elsewhere like i was i was saying like we're probably going to get danielson not this year but i could see next year we can see we'll probably see danielson in the fucking g1 like i can see that <laughs> oh, happening man, it's, it's going to be, be like it's going to be fantastic yeah. and it, it, james is right like it's it's completely like it's mind-blowing that you have an, a, a WrestleMania main event guy now choosing to go with a different company. Like, that's that's huge, but it's also, like, uh, in a way, you shouldn't be surprised at that. When the guy was in the main event of WrestleMania, and afterwards, the only thing he could say was, like, yeah, I felt nothing. No, he was begging them to not put him in the main event of that. And he's a guy who, in his post, in the post-pay-per-view show, he, was, he wasn't dogging wwe even he's like there's a lot of people there that i love i consider them family and i this was a difficult decision but he's a guy who's like he's what 40 years old like he has thankfully been able to come back from from injuries but i mean the guy doesn't have a ton of years left in the tank and he wants to do the things that he wants to do because that dude loves professional wrestling and he should in theory, he should be able to do it all that he wants to do. And I'm Which, really excited. Matt, that ties in with one last thing the announcers did that night mm-hmm. is when Danielson shows up and, and he and Christian and dress press cut loose, Tony Schiavone sitting there goes, God, I love professional wrestling. That and, to me, that is, that's such a feel good moment personally, just because for those who, who are familiar with, with Tony, it's like that's a dude who got so burnt out from wrestling that he he literally ran from it for like the yeah. better part he of used, twenty years. He used to like block people on Twitter if they would mention wrestling to him. Yeah, he's a dude that ran from it for like the better part of twenty years, and then started doing a podcast with Conrad, <laughs> yeah. Conrad the mortgage guy, who people that he's a he's like a polarizing figure, but I like he started Conrad. doing that. He started doing that podcast and that kind of like got his his bet week. And then obviously like he got hired by AEW and the guy he's doing MLW, guy, but um, yeah, he wasn't the same on MLW. Like there's some like he was still 
Tony, but there was just something not there, and like he's really gotten it back with AEW. Yeah. No, with AEW, he's gotten it back, and it's been really heartwarming to see. Like, if you, especially the last month, if you see the things that he has said about the Punk debut and how afterwards, like he and a, a few others went out to, to to eat dinner with Punk, and just how excited he was, how like good he felt about things how excited he was about professional wrestling it's like that uh, for me like that's a very because per- i was always a tony fan back in from wcw yeah. back in the day to see the him go from he didn't like he couldn't even like talk about wrestling because he could he got so burnt out and didn't like it to him literally saying i love professional wrestling and meaning it at the end of a pay-per-view yeah. like it it to me like that's there's no better indication that things are going good in the professional wrestling world that tony shivani is like come full circle tony shivani is he's more professional but he's slowly morphing into into david crockett and i love it <laughs> all look right at him, tony. Well, look at him tony so here we are um just fantastic show a show where they knew they would have lots of new eyes on them and they and over promised they- and still over delivered for it um, if just find a way to watch it, it is absolutely worth your time. Yeah, it is. It is. It is one of the best shows I've ever seen. All right. Well, guys, I think that about puts a fork in this. Um, so I want to say thanks to everybody out there for joining us. Thanks to Dames for joining us for this episode as well. Thanks we appreciate the thank. We appreciate the on the ground perspective. And so, uh, well, we've been in the four corners, but you all have been with us. We'd love to hear from you on social media, and we will catch you next time.